you want to know what it is. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. I'm John. And today, we're talking about Equilibrium. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking about the better one. Right. Uh, the main. Oh, you haven't seen these comments yet, have you, Steve? <laughs> oh, we were talking about it today, and you know, both movies are pretty good, but honestly, if The Matrix was going to be compared to anything, it'd be Dark City. Yep, yeah, well, that comes up too. Uh, but even though the Dark City came out first, the Matrix was actually written first, and neither one of them borrowed from one another except for possibly prop sets. Um, so, uh, at the beginning of the show, we have a draft to continue, but before we do that, what are we drinking today, John? Uh, this is Anderson Valley, uh, Bourbon Barrel Stout, and it's, uh... It's made in uh, Boonville, California. And this has the uh, interesting distinction that it is uh, aged for three months in wild turkey barrels. Three months in wild turkey barrels. You can definitely taste the wild turkey barrels in it. And I could definitely yeah. feel the wild turkey in it. It claims 6.9% yeah. alcohol. But if you uh, share our conspiracy theory, we know that this is bullshit. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, because 
one one pint of this is ten dollars at our uh, one of our local stores. I don't know what it would be anywhere else in the country, but in Alabama, buying alcohol sucks because it's just expensive as shit. It's very expensive, but we so all know it might be that five dollars in like California somewhere. But we all know that the <laughs> alcohol percentage on these. Uh, Beers and stuff are all formation of the Illuminati and the lizard people to try to get us more drunk. Right. Uh, so we can be so that we can clueless. be dumb and yeah. not know what's going on in the real world and like a bunch of zombies. Right. Yeah. So speaking of that, so we're, going... can, we're talking about the Matrix because this is Matrix May. We're doing all three fucking Matrix movies in one month. This is Matrix May. It only makes sense. Right. So, since we're dealing with uh, the man keeping you down, we're going to add some more names into this Illuminati versus Lizard People draft we have going. <laughs> right, and the last pick was Eminem, so that means the first pick in this draft will be the Illuminati. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see, we need... Okay, I know the first pick of this round is going to be for us. Who? Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson and the Illuminati. Because, I mean, think about it, you know. If you have somebody who's as talented as Marilyn Manson that is as thought-provoking as he is, mm-hmm. why not turn that to our side, you know? Yeah, let's let's go Illuminati side. So that's a very good pick. Yeah. And uh, at the end of this ra- these rounds, uh, we will tell you the full list in full in one episode. We're not going to go over them all per episode. No. Um, so for the lizard people, we need somebody very sneaky, very deceitful, um, very manipulative. Um, so somebody that can really get under your skin. Get it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say that we're going to draft Roseanne. Roseanne, okay. <laughs> Love Roseanne. Because how the hell could you bring a show back from being off the air twenty years unless you unless you're a lizard person and you just you're just making shit happen behind the scenes. You gotta be a lizard person. You gotta have that type of power. Roseanne has it. Right, yeah. Which actually the new show is not bad. I've only seen really like the, the like the pilot, I guess, the second pilot episode. Right. But it was pretty good, yeah. I mean there's a I mean I, let's not get it twisted. The best part of the show is Dan. John Goodman is John Goodman the greatest is actor. hilarious in every episode. He's the dad that everybody wants and nobody can have, right? Because he's like, he's flawed, but yeah, he's still perfect. He's like the best dad ever. <laughs> yeah, having said that, are you drafting John Goodman? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He might be moving up the board now. Because <laughs> uh, if you don't, the lizard people's going to get him. <laughs> right. It'd be like, motherfuckers, you guys can't have Roseanne and Dan. Fuck that. Um, you got to do some defensive drafting here. Right, yeah. Like the uh, Ravens. Like the, like the Ravens, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag fuck the Steelers. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> listen to Beyond the Bay. You'll yeah, understand. listen to Beyond the Bay. Uh, so hopefully uh, that'll be your uh, your periodic dose of jock stuff that we do. Cause Mainly Raiders and Niners. Yeah. Um, although I am going to be launching my own separate podcast. I hate LeBron James. <laughs> that shouldn't be uh it's called not beyond hating lebron James. right yeah. 
We we totally hate LeBron James. Brought to you by Stephen John. Jordan. 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 People keep talking about goats. It's like, yeah, well, there's only one goat in basketball, and that's Jordan. It is. Uh, anyway. Um, like in football, it's Joe Montana. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I need somebody else for the Illuminati that's that's got influence. Fuck it, I'm taking Rihanna. Rihanna. Because people already think that she's in the Illuminati anyway. But I'll tell you what, if we need somebody to push perfume or coconut water or whatever the fuck she puts her name on, we need that. You know. I mean, we're going to have a small army of celebrities going on here. <laughs> well, we will take, as the representative of the Lizard people, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good pick. I was not expecting that. Uh, oh man, <laughs> there's so many different ways we can go because we're doing what uh, two a piece or is it four a piece? It's four a piece. That's each round's four pieces. What I've noticed from you so far is you take a lot of musicians. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, music is the instrument of the Illuminati. <laughs> it is. Uh, that that makes sense. Uh, let's see with ours. Our next one, we're going to take Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. That's actually a, a interesting pick. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know, Angelina. I just feel like she would be able to like to bring the Illuminati cause to Africa because of you know like all the different like like charity things that she does and right that kind of stuff i just think that that'd be really important to spread the illuminati's message of and she can go ahead and get the kids i mean science yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. not not domination totally just not domination yeah a hydron collider we also need Uh, some of our money to help build our giant laser anyway (laughs) so who's up next for for the lizard folk i am taking jim carrey jim carrey for the lizard people that's that's a pretty good pick yeah He's got that rubber skin, so he he's got there's got to be something to that. Okay. And you know the lizard people need Jim yeah. Carrey. Well, they might be able to like like study his DNA and figure out how the fuck he's so talented. <laughs> yeah, I mean that could take years. Right. So <laughs> they need to go ahead and pick him early, so that way they got time to develop uh, new things off of Jim Carrey. You know, that's maybe they the could clone him. Uh, let's see. Let's see. We need. Uh, let's see. What should we take here? I think I'm going to take Paris Hilton. Fuck it. Oh, Paris Hilton to the Illuminati. Right. And the main reason why is not necessarily for Paris herself, although she can be influential, especially if she keeps making videos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, really, this is a ploy to get to her sister, which is infinitely more talented. <laughs> Nikki Hilton, what's up? You know, send us an email. More we'll talented, to... but probably not worth as much as Paris. Not worth as much in terms of money, but as a human being, worth every penny. Mm, yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, with the last pick of the lizard people, we shall take Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Oh, wow. May Eastwood live forever. That's a pretty good pick because now you got an Oscar winning. Uh, lizard person there for your <laughs> lizard people. That's yeah, Oscar winning lizard. Oscar winning lizard. Which coincidentally enough is what I'm not Shyamalan is known as in some circles. 
He's never won an Oscar. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess he's useless then. <laughs> Oscar. I would have assumed at some point he would have won something, like for sound editing or uh, some shit. Nickelodeon Slime Award. <laughs> Nickelodeon Slime Award for best twist in a movie. <laughs> best twist Six in a movie. Six cents. <laughs> it's like. We all thought that, you know, it's like, it's like, I see dead people. It's like, look, my soul has been dead since I've watched this movie. So, mm. <laughs> you know, deal with that. Good point. Nickelodeon Slime Awards. Remember when Nickelodeon <laughs> was relevant and it wasn't just SpongeBob and a bunch of shitty TV shows? Wasn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Nickelodeon? They brought it back, but let's be honest. The real Ninja Turtles cartoon is the one that we remember from the fucking 80s and 90s. The yeah. one we grew up watching. Everything else that you know is a lie. Right. <laughs> and speaking of everything being a lie, we're talking about The Matrix. <laughs> we are talking about The Matrix, if you don't know uh, what we're doing Which, if you yet. clicked on this, you would have already seen that I put Matrix shit all over this episode. Yeah, so, so if you didn't know, uh, I mean, I don't know if we can help you that much. Yeah. But Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! somebody. Okay, <laughs> so... Our special guest, Road Dog. <laughs> Our special guest, Road Dog. So we're, we're doing things a little bit differently on this episode. Right. So um, uh, to, to start off this next segment, you'll hear a sound from here on out. And the sound will sound a lot like this. Um, well, let me get to it. Is it going to be a hurricane warning sound? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, know. okay. sound right there like all sounds is going to be on this show is done by greg bird and uh that sound right there will indicate games trivia things like that uh and information it so, almost sounds like a final fantasy track i know great uh when greg did it and he, he let me listen to it i was like that is that is pretty perfect yeah i, I like that sound because it's very catchy it's uh it's something that seems like it'd go into something gaming. So this is the right. first episode we're doing this on. And when you hear the second sound come in, because I might not announce it when, whenever we switch to it, that's whenever we're going to the main part of our show, which is the hate. Um, right. So. This part is about love. Later, it's about hate. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with the informational facts about this. And this isn't everything about the movie. This is just the interesting things about the movie. And we're going to discuss it. And then maybe at the end, we might play a little bit of a game. Um, so There's a lot of interesting shit about this movie. So on the, the, the scene where Keanu Reeves is climbing out of the window. On the building, yeah. Of the building. There's no stuntman there. He did it. Oh, for real? <laughs> He's the one that did it. He didn't want a stuntman. He wanted to do it. I think we've established that Keanu gives no fucks. <laughs> yeah, Keanu is one of those guys that gives you everything he got, and then he always gets a lot of hate for uh, stuff he does in movies. Or, oh, he can't act because he's like got this emotionless face or something like that. 
And it's we're, just, we're we're gonna talk more about Keanu later, so that's the comment section. That's yep. not what I'm doing. We're, we're here definitely yet. talking about Keanu later. So. And uh, if if you ever listen to the show, you know we love Keanu Reeves. So yep. we're, we're we could make an entire podcast him. about it. Could just be called "We Love Keanu Reeves." Yeah, and <laughs> it, it would be it would be pure because we do. Right. Okay. So the next thing about this that I found out: Will Smith turned down the role of Neo. What did you turn down the role of Neo for? Wild Wild West. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, because Wild Wild West was came out in 99, didn't it? Yeah, he turned down the role of Neo for Wild Wild West. And as a side note, Jada Pinkett Smith was also offered the role of Trinity in the original one, and she turned it down. Yeah, but it's funny because she ends up coming back to it later on anyway. Yeah, she ends up being a part of it, but it's a minor part. Yeah. Not a so, trinity size part. When we when we get to uh, part two, we will delve into uh, Niobe and Aaliyah and all that kind of stuff. Right. Rest in yeah. peace, Aaliyah. But Rest we'll we'll delve more into that in the second episode because that's when Niobe shows up. Okay, so when Belinda McClory uh, uh, auditioned for the role of Switch, she was auditioning for half of a character. Uh it was supposed to be two characters. In the real world, it's supposed to be a male, and in the Matrix, it was supposed to be a female. And this was supposed to, in a way, represent transgenders. It's interesting, though, because when you look at the history of the Wachowskis and how eventually if, if both of them, you know, basically transitioned into being into being females. When are they listed fully as females, both of them, or are they listed as transgender still? I'm not quite sure about that. If you guys have any information about how that's supposed to be said, email us at beyondthehateatyahoo.com. Yeah. Because we're not meaning to offend anybody if we call them the Wachowski brothers during this episode, but that's how we knew them when we watched this movie. So yeah. it when they wrote this, they were Andy and Larry Wachowski. They yeah, were and that's how guys. we knew them from those days. Yeah. I hope that's not would, would be offensive in any way. That's not We're not trying to yeah. do that. It'd be like somebody being like, oh, well, you know, it's it's actually Caitlyn Jenner, not Bruce Jenner. It's like, look, we understand that, but it's like, I always knew the dude is Bruce Jenner. Yeah, all right. So that's how I'm going to reference. Right, at but, the time of the period. that That's how we'll go and do this. At the time of this, they were the Wachowski brothers. That's how they called themselves. That's how they're listed in the credits so, and everything. So, you know, uh, hopefully it doesn't offend anybody. We don't... Um, you know, not agree with. We don't have anything against transgender people. You know, yeah, I mean, they're, if you're they're transgender. People. That's your thing. They're still people too, and apparently they can make badass movies like this. So yeah, they're great. Know. V for Vendetta. That's that's probably yep. be an episode in the future. We love the Speed Racer. <laughs> nah, <laughs> we probably won't do that one. Uh, uh, I'm talking about the cartoon, not the movie. The movie is yeah. <laughs> okay, so this uh, it was it was shot in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Uh, because um, this movie cost $63 million to make. And originally... It the, seems really, really cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, originally, the budget was $10 million. Mm-hmm. But what, what the Chowskis did was they used all $10 million of it for the opening scene. And then they showed it to the studio. And then the studio gave them the rest of the money. So, oh, okay. So the sequence when uh, the Trinity's trying to get information on Neo... Or she's like in the computer trying to send information to Neo. Yeah. And then when the uh, the cops find her, mm-hmm. and then Smith. Okay, 
Yeah, because that, the opening sequence really kind of establishes everything that Gene just set up about this world, that it, it very much is like a totalitarian... There's a lot of philosophy stuff in this, by the way. In case it's very you get, smart, they had to they yeah. had to read certain books and be able to understand it before they could even have the role. Yeah, because they had to read uh, *Simulacra* and *Simulation* by uh, Baudrillard. Yeah, Baudrillard. Uh, and then there was like a few other books that they had to read uh, because they wanted uh, pretty much everybody in the main cast to understand what the philosophy was of what they were trying so to Keanu do. So Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne were the two people that understood it the best. Right. Um, Lawrence Fishburne thought that it was a very simple idea and he had a, he was confused why people were confused about what the Matrix was. Right. And Keanu was a little bit of the same way. He, he immediately understood what, what this was. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is kind of funny because... Uh, Simulacra and simulations actually in the movie because the book that Neo book, hides yeah. his his hacking stuff in is actually a hollowed out version of Simulacra and simulation. And a lot of this stuff is based off those those books. This is where they came up with the idea. Uh, the the only outside inspiration other than this is Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, um, and we'll we'll talk about that in the comments too. Okay, so, <laughs> but it, it's not a ripoff thing. And even like my next thing. Sets from Dark City was used in the film, including rooftops and buildings. The rooftop that you see uh, Trinity running across at the first of the movie are the rooftops that uh, that that are shot in Dark City. Right. Uh, and the um, Dark City came out first, but the Matrix was written first. But neither knew of one another. Another, n- not one inspired the other to do what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they're way they're they're two different like totally separate storylines because i love both those movies i love dark city rufus well um and i love the matrix yeah but no, neither one of them are really that similar um and they're just both really good sci-fi movies carrie ann moss did all of her own stunts yeah she actually hurt her ankle really early in the uh shooting on the movie and she pretended she didn't for the rest of it because she was afraid that she'd get recasted right because well didn't she injure it when she was trying to do the uh the the two corner wall jump when she's dealing with this with the uh, the cops when she like runs up on the wall and then she runs up into the other corner and then comes back down isn't that when she injured i don't it? know the specific scene because i don't know if she even remembers but i would say that's probably the highest possibility of when, yeah. when she did it because they all had to be trained four months in advance, before the shooting of the movie, because the choreographer, Yoon Wooping, uh, one of the greatest uh, choreographers of all time. Yeah, he's one of the greatest martial arts choreographers of all time. He only agreed to do this because he asked the Wachowskis for uh, impossible price and said that it'd take four months. He, w- he would do no minimum of four months of training before the shoot, and the Wachowskis said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they wanted him to do it because they're really big fans of Yoon's work. And if you watch any old, like, kung fu movies, like, I have a set at the house that's basically nothing but movies that Yoon Woo Ping either was the producer on, did the choreography on, or directed himself. Because he actually directed quite a few of his own movies. And the dude, if you mention the name Yoon Woo Ping in, in China, like in Hong Kong cinema, that dude's considered a legend. I mean, there's... 
I mean, most of like some of the greatest martial arts movies ever were made with Yoon's choreography. So, well, yeah, when you no. can factor in that Lawrence Fishburne did his own martial arts, Carrie Ann Moss did her own, and Keanu did his own, uh, and Hugo Weaving did too. Hugo Weaving did. They all did their own martial arts. Uh, that's pretty impressive for people that aren't traditionally trained in martial arts. You know, None of these guys were known as uh, really action stars at this point. Uh, no. None of them. Keanu wasn't, and Fishburne wasn't, because Fishburne was doing more like dramatic type stuff, and so was Carrie Ann Moss. Like, it's not... They basically got people like, that... Fishburne was doing stuff like Menace to Society. Yeah. Uh, which is an epic film. If you've never seen it, you need to see it. Or That's, you're probably... Yeah culturally retarded um <laughs> this is the culturally retarded podcast brought to you by steven john <laughs> that would be a good idea for a future podcast though just just call it like uh culturally retarded yeah podcast. it's like it, well, you guys need to expand a little bit you can't just keep watching this you know whatever right you know, we can we can expand your knowledge on uh, different cultures because you know we love asian cultures and black cultures and we we love everything really yeah. We, we we try to expand our minds beyond um, everything. And we we try to right. see it, and we try to see it like them, not like us, because Americans are Americans are spoiled in a lot of ways. So yeah, and that's not a bash on most Americans, but a lot of people are spoiled. They want things exactly like this or exactly like that or look like this, look like that, taste like this, taste like that. Mm-hmm. And it's they're everything. afraid of things that aren't traditionally seen as American. Yeah, they yeah. are. Xenophobia. Yeah. Um, and uh, Fishburne said he played Morpheus like he was Obi-Wan and Vader. Oh, okay. So that's where you can see a little bit of the, you know, because he, he's all in black, like they all are, and that looks badass. Right. Um, One of the things, that though, that you realize very quickly after you hear him deliver his lines as Morpheus in this is I'm like I just I want like a series of books, like done in audiobook style with Lawrence Fishburne because his voice is awesome. <laughs> uh, they have those. They do have those. They have books where Lawrence Fishburne's done the the narration yes, for. Shit, I need to look some of those up then. Yes, they do. Because he has an awesome like book reading voice. I just could picture yeah, that. Yeah, he has one of those great voices, like you know, like an Anthony Hopkins or. You know, somebody like that, like somebody that you could just listen to talk like mm-hmm. constantly. Hugo Morgan Weaving Freeman. does too. Yeah. yeah, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Hugo Weaving definitely has a because his 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 cadence and the way that he speaks as Agent Smith is just awesome. Should we talk about what my wife asked me earlier before we started? <laughs> All right. So, so we're we're like you know eating or we're getting ready to eat, and uh, Steve's wife and in her infinite wisdom. Was like who's who's Hugo Weaving or no? She said who's uh, who's uh, Agent Smith played by, and Steve looked at her like seriously, it's Hugo Weaving, and she was like, "What's he been?" <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" So we're like, you know, Lord of the Rings and V for Vendetta, and he's like Red Skull on Captain America. And then she was like, oh, I think she didn't really realize until we got to Red Skull. And she was like, oh, okay. okay. It's like, what, Red Skull's the thing that you remember out of all that <laughs> shit? He's like, he's like Elrond on fucking Lord of the Rings. And he's he's V and V for Vendetta. Uh, he's done so many great things. And, it's and that's like, just the tip top of what he's done. He's done more stuff than that. But, you know, wow. He's been in some of the most epic things ever. Right. 
Um, but <laughs> I was just like, wow. Uh, I was like, we should make like a podcast of just us like trying to explain to her, right, what who people are. <laughs> because like we'll mention actors and she's like who and then like she'll remember like random ass people she'll be like oh wasn't that the guy from like uh dude where's my car and you're like how the fuck do you remember that movie over she, this other one she knows these like cheap tv show people but she doesn't right. know like actual like celebrity people <laughs> right so it's really crazy yeah it's uh <laughs> it's just yeah it's always a learning experience uh whenever you're around his wife because yeah. she's just uh it's so funny. She it's is so she funny. is movie retarded. Yeah, we'll put it that way. She's movie retarded. <laughs> but not retarded. TV show retarded. Not TV show or retarded. Music retarded. She's got the she's got the genius on those. She's just movie retarded. Yeah. Unless you're talking about <laughs> Clueless or something. Then she'll she'll Yeah, she'll, she knows every fact about that movie. Yeah, she'll hit you with some knowledge on that. Yeah. Uh and if we ever do that episode, she will be a part of it. You'll hear her voice. Yeah, you'll we almost would have to have her do that because yeah, I we're not the coolest expert she is. Yeah, I wouldn't do it without her. Okay. So you know how on a computer you have cookies and cookies are a piece of personal data. Right. Cookies are also delicious. They are also <laughs> delicious. But anytime the Oracle tells Neo something in the movie, she offers him a cookie. Right. So there's your computer reference. Yeah, okay, that's another <laughs> computer reference, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, she always is, like, baking cookies mm-hmm. whenever... Because uh, it's, like, computers and cookies. That makes sense now, yeah. Yeah, it was very intentional. Yeah. Everything that they do in this movie is fairly deliberate. Yeah, it was, Just from it, the symbology It alone. wasn't just written like, oh, this should happen, this should happen, this should happen. Film. They actually put a lot of thought into this movie. They wrote it for 14 years. Right. <laughs> so this movie was intentional in everything that it did. This is basically this is kind of like what Star Wars was for George Lucas. This is what it is for the Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. It is it is their their epic, yeah. Okay, so Sandra Bullock. No, hold on. I ha- I have to save this one until after something else. Okay. Okay. I thought maybe I thought maybe your uh, your hard drive just froze there for a second. <laughs> no, I, I thought about it because uh, there's there's something coming and I cannot say that fact yet. Okay. Okay. So Sir Sean. Well, actually, this is a. Well, I'll go ahead and say it. Sir Sean Connery. Uh, regardless of what people thought, they thought that he was offered the role of Morpheus. He was not. He was offered the role of the architect, which is in the upcoming film. He in was never offered two. the role of Morpheus. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the film takes place in 2199. Yeah. Well, they don't actually know exactly what year it is, but Morpheus ventures a guess that it's probably around 2199. Right. But they're not entirely sure because they don't really have records anymore. So, The Matrix is also the only rated R movie not to say fuck. Really? Yes, it's the only rated R movie not to say fuck. Huh. So, that is... A standard that the Matrix stands by on their own. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I would not have thought of that as being a thing. But when you when you look at it from the outset, though, they don't use the F word, but they do use shit a lot. Yeah. But well, so the main reason I guess they got the R rating was really because of the of the shootouts, right? The guns. I guess it was the violence. The Honestly, violence. I don't think it deserved an R rating. I, if anything, it would be because of because of the guns, but we'll we'll also talk about some of that later too. Okay, so 
Lou Diamond Philman, Phillips. <laughs> Lou, Lou Diamond Philman. <laughs> Lou Diamond Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. <laughs> oh, God. Lou Diamond Phillips was sent the script. I don't know what role that he was sent the script for, but he his agent told him that the movie was going to be a flop and she, he shouldn't take the role. So he didn't take the role, and instead, that same year, he did a movie called Bats and Broke Down Palace. So I'm pretty sure okay. his agent was fired. Right, yeah. <laughs> How do you fuck that one up? I wonder if uh, he was maybe uh, meant to be, uh, what was it? Was it Dozer, the the main guy? That would have been a that would have been a good because character. that dude kind of looks like Lou Diamond Phillips. He does, and that would have been a great character for Lou Diamond to Phillips. be. Dozer, he yeah, the nailed it. Dozer, the operator, yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, Tank was the he Tank was the bigger black dude. Um, yeah, that that probably was the. I wonder the if he was supposed to he was, if he was meant to be. Dozer. And he would have fucking nailed Dozer, and Dozer would have yeah, that would have been awesome. Not to say that the guy who played Dozer did a no, shitty he job. did he was awesome, really too. good. He did awesome too. He did really good. Everybody in this cast was really well done, I think. So we have a little bit of trivia. Okay. And then I'm gonna go back to that last fact that I was gonna say about Sandra Bullock, but I couldn't say it. I had to think about it. Okay. Before I said it. Okay. So. I have three trivia questions. And the first one is, Lawrence Fishburne doubted the movie would ever get made. He's been casted, but he didn't know if it was going to get made. Because, A, the movie was too smart. B, seemed like a sci-fi channel movie. C, couldn't get Will Smith. D, he thought it would expose the Illuminati. I'm going to say that it was probably, A, that it was too smart for most regular people. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. So that that is right on the nail. Okay, so trivia question two. Other than Will Smith, who was the Wachowskis' first choice for Neo? A, Val Kilmer. B, Brad Pitt. C, Johnny Depp. D, Keanu Reeves. Their first choice for Neo? Their first choice. I'm going to say Val Kilmer. That is wrong. Ah, okay. That was one of the people that Warner Brothers wanted, but the Wachowskis wanted Johnny Depp to be Neo. Depp, okay. Uh, Val Kilmer and Brad Pitt and Johnny Depp all turned the role down. Huh. <laughs> so, so did Jet Li, too. So did Jet Li, yes. Uh, so, alright, the third question is, who was not considered to play Morpheus? A. Gary Oldman B. Robert Downey Jr., C, Samuel L. Jackson, or D, Russell Crowe? Uh, I'm going to say Oldman, Gary Oldman. Was not considered. He was not considered for this. The answer was B, Robert Downey Jr. was oh, not shit. considered. 
Gary Oldman was actually the person that they wanted to play Morpheus. Okay. Uh, and Samuel Jackson was in consideration, and Russell Crowe turned it down outright. Okay. Um, so, back to the Sandra Bullock fact. Sandra Bullock turned down the role of Trinity because she couldn't resist... She couldn't see herself acting beside the Warner Brother pick uh, for the lead actor, which at the time would have either been Val Kilmer or Will Smith. Really? And later, whenever Keanu Reeves took the role, she regretted turning it down immediately. Yeah, because she she already worked with Keanu on Speed. Yeah, she thought yep. that would have been great chemistry and it would have been good for her career. But if she, if she thought that Will Smith or um, Val Kilmer would have got it, she didn't want to work with either one. I don't know which one that was the person that she was told, but those guys were the two guys that were really in the lead front. Right. Uh, um, but ultimately, so, Keanu got it, and we're all better for that. We are better for it, and <laughs> good, also good with uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Also, uh, yeah, I mean, love Sandra Bullock. We would have loved to see that chemist that uh, that undeniable chemistry between Sandra and Keanu again. Again, but I think Carrie Ann Moss probably was the better pick for Trinity because she's just a pure badass. Yeah. Yeah. Watch The Blind Side, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So, the trivia is over, so the next segment. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> it's hater time. <laughs> it's hate, 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 hate. So, um... Now how, do you, how do you like uh, Greg's intros that he uh, created for us? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Because the first one's like really happy and kind of pepped up, and then the second one's kind of like, oh shit, now we got to deal with all this negativity. Exactly. That's right. exactly his, his thought process. And if you guys That's need a... the work of Greg Bird, email us at beyondthehateryahoo.com. Yeah. And we can hook you up. Right. So, when I was going through uh, some of the hate on this movie, and uh, thankfully I can filter things in INDB again, because I was able to filter this by one and two star reviews, one of the things I started running into was that a lot of people's comments were maybe like a paragraph, and they were all bitching about mostly some of the same stuff. Right. So, I was like, well, okay, maybe I need to take some of these ideas and just kind of boil them down to their essence and do something kind of like bullet points. So that's basically where I came up with this stuff. Now, I don't have individual people's names on any of this because a lot of this stuff is like cannibalized and cut from uh, many different comments. Some of these, some chunks of these are taken verbatim from comments, but they're kind of squished together in like weird sandwiches of hate. So, yeah, um, uh, don't eat the hate. Don't eat the hate. Shit it out. And don't don't eat the paste. Uh, don't eat the paste either. Because um, we all know that glue is made from, from horses. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, Wait, it is? Yeah. What the fuck? He's been eating that shit for like 30 years. No. <laughs> um, I put that shit on my salad. Right. Yeah. Put some of that Elmer's glue 
right on my right on my my, my tuna sandwich. You well, know? Yeah, maybe that's that horse flavor that you really enjoy. Nom 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 nom. Nom nom Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We we don't eat horses. Okay. So and then some things I also added in a few little things of my own just so that I can get across a specific point. Uh, but anyway, so number one, uh, very shallow and poor development of an unoriginal idea. Okay. Um. So this movie rips off Dark City, Equilibrium, Ghost in the Show. Uh, the idea that our reality is not real at all is hardly original. It has been the subject of science fiction for decades, and a successful treatment of this subject should delve into some of the psychological depths. We should be left wondering whether our world truly is real, or we should get a sense of how willing or unwilling we might be, uh, might be to face the fact that our world is an illusion. We should wonder whether it matters if our world is an illusion or whether reality uh, is what we perceive as real. Whatever the portrayal, we should leave the theater feeling intellectually moved. While the film briefly brushed on some of these topics, it was so brief and shallow that no impression was left. Instead, focus returned to martial arts, which had no real purpose in terms of the plot. So Okay, so <laughs> here we go. Also, the, the, the ideal in entertainment, you know, you, you have hundreds of thousands of people writing stuff every day. Yeah. Um, some things are going to seem similar. That's the why it's rule, called an industry, because there's like hundreds of thousands of people working on this shit. The rule in the industry is, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is, this first Matrix, basically just this low budget movie of these guys that's never really directed anything big before except but bound bound yeah that um, was their which wasn't really big movie. it was just good uh um, it just basically kind of showed what they could do yeah and then warner brothers was like we're on board yeah let's well, go okay, ahead we'll go let you go ahead and direct this yeah let's go ahead and get this going they made 463 million dollars worldwide with this mm -hmm. first matrix which was huge considering they made 400 million dollars in profit right just right off the bat, and that's not including any of the merchandise or DVD sales or rentals or anything like that. Yeah. That's just video game licensing, none of that stuff. That you're not even factoring any of that. That's just pure box office. Yeah, you're actually probably talking about like a billion at this point. Right. Let's just let's be honest. Like that, the profits right there were probably around billion, like overall. Yeah. Um, and for a movie that had, uh, you know, some name, some big name people in it, but people that maybe were under the radar a little bit. I mean, Keanu really wasn't, but Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne's a little under the radar. Carrie Ann was. Moss is under the radar. Hugo Weaving. A lot of people in America had no idea who he was because he was like, he was an Australian actor, right? He just really did like Australian movies and TV. Yeah, and he actually based his character a little bit on Walter, Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he also uh, patterned his like speech pattern off of one of the Wachowskis. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he kind of wanted to be the speaking point of the Matrix, and he, he does, I think he does have more lines than Keanu in this movie. Um, I think he does, yeah. Yeah, Keanu only says 80 lines in this movie. Because uh, a lot of his questions, like half of his lines are questions, which is yep. Keanu speaking as the audience and Hugo speaking as the Matrix. Trying to do it, yeah. Yeah, he's to... being the Matrix, Keanu's being the audience at uh, in this first movie. Right, yeah. And that's why it so drastically changes in the next movie, because Keanu is the Matrix in the next movie, and Hugo Weaving is trying to uh, dispose of, uh, you know... 
Keanu. Of Neo, yeah. Of Neo. The one. Um, but it was interesting because when they talk about like ripping off Dark City and Equilibrium and all this sort of stuff, and then when they said Ghost in the Shell, I was like, okay, the Wachowskis, when they were first trying to pitch the idea of how everybody is jacked into the Matrix, they showed footage from Ghost in the Shell to sort of illustrate the idea. Because, and if you know anything about Ghost in the Shell, and I'm kind of like the expert here, resident for Ghost in the Shell. Oh, the, you've, seen, you've seen Ghost in the Shell? Yes, I, okay. I own all of it. <laughs> so, uh, Do we and, know anything about Ghost in the Shell? Yeah, we do. We actually did an entire episode on it. That's right, we Go did. Go watch that episode shit. That was, one. Our, that was our first Number episode. Number one. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, in Ghost in the Shell, whenever you're uh, connected into the internet in their world, you have a port in the back of your neck, generally, right. that is like an interface port. And when they were trying to explain, like, okay, well, you're basically connected to the Matrix by a port in the back of your neck, they were like, well, how does that work? And so they basically showed them some sequences from Ghost in the Shell to basically illustrate, like, okay, this is kind of what we're talking about. Because, like, the Major in Ghost in the Shell, she has, like, four input ports on the back of her neck. It's hidden behind a hatch that, like, blends in with her flesh. And whenever she needs to, like, get information about a case that she's working on or something like that, she has uh, the access port flips up and then she can put, uh, you know, wires into it to access the Internet directly. Exactly. And she can also use it, like, in case they have to, you know... Uh, get into like uh, cyber brains and stuff like that she can hack into other cybernetic brains and get information and that kind of stuff because it comes up as plot points throughout the different like the ghost in the shell tv show and stuff like that yeah and the and movie then, the best ghost in the shell yeah and the best person for ghost in the shell Scarjo. Scarjo. Scarlett uh, Johansson. But, uh, they also showed, uh, just to finish that point, yeah, they also on. showed uh, the tank scene at the end of Ghost in the Shell where she's, like, diving behind the pillars and they're, like, you know, the, the tank is shooting at her and her, her thermoptic caval- camouflage has, like, basically, like, fritzed out and it doesn't work anymore. And so she eventually has to, like, dive from the pillars and then go down onto the tank and try to rip the hatch off just with just pure strength. They show that sequence to show roughly what it looks like when they're in the lobby in the building and they're like ducking behind, uh, excuse me, they're ducking behind the pillars and shooting things with, you know, like all kinds of different guns. Right. That was sort of like giving them an idea of like, this is roughly what the shootout will kind of be like because they're going to be behind pillars and everything's going to be breakaway and destroyable and all that kind of stuff. And so to say that they just ripped off Ghost in the Shell, really, if anything, it's kind of. This, is, this movie, to a degree, is a little bit of a love letter to things like anime, like Ghost in the Shell, and like dark science fiction, like 1984 and stuff like that, where you know everything is controlled and that kind of thing. But it's also a love letter to kung fu movies, which they also like. So imagine a movie being made by Quentin Tarantino and the Wachowskis. Holy fuck, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? would be it? mind-blowing. But the main point of what people think is ripping off... And what is approving upon is two different things. Because what happens uh, whenever something in America is created, I don't know how it is in every country, but you can even patent it. But that patent doesn't matter if someone takes that design and makes it better. Because it's not the same design. It's something different. Right. Movies are the same way. You can borrow from movies... 
And a lot of times, most people consider it an homage or a tribute. Mm -hmm. um, Except these butthurt people that are like, no, you just totally ripped off Dark City. You no. ripped off Equilibrium. Because why? Because they have black trench coats? The black trench coats have been in shit forever. There's nothing <laughs> in this movie that rips off Equilibrium. Our Dark City, for that matter. Dark City is something totally different. It's aliens. Um, and planning yeah. people with false memories. And doing experiments on them until one guy gets the ability to tune, and that—that's a different—that's a different topic. That's not even the Matrix at all. Right. Um, but I mean, it's—it's it, it's such a great movie, and it's—it's it's a, a historical movie actually because it's—it's it's something that shows you what the brink of humanity could get to. And then the technology could take over, and then you have to fight back. Right, because then some people even said like, "Oh, this movie ripped off Terminator because it's machines trying to destroy humans." And it's like ever since we've had the idea about robots, we've had that idea. I mean, even James Cameron would tell you that like, no, I mean that's not like I don't own that idea. That idea came from something else. That oh yeah, so to, uh, you know, Terminator ripped off. 2001 Space Odyssey then where Hal turns on Dave and tries to kill him yeah you if that's know. your logic then that's how everything is anything, so everybody ripped off Stanley Kubrick anything with an evil robot has to be ripped off from Stanley Kubrick now right yeah but that's the thing it I think the other part of it too is like in here they said that they briefly gave you these little nuggets of philosophy and then kind of like drifted away so they could go back to doing dumb stuff like Kung Fu if you have the anniversary edition of the matrix like i do right i have the blu-ray anniversary edition that's like the 10 year anniversary we I get think. it you can afford the 40 dollars right <laughs> no actually it wasn't 40 dollars because i get i get a discount but i have the like the collector's anniversary edition of this movie right and on it there are many commentary tracks because there's one that includes like carrie ann moss on it and there's like there's another one that i think is the wachowskis doing it themselves or, no, it wasn't the Wachowskis. It was, like, somebody that was doing it on behalf of the Wachowskis. Speaking of Carrie Ann Moss, watch Jessica Jones Season 2. It's not <laughs> a plug. Just, I thought thought she was great in it. <laughs> Steve's obsessed with Jessica Jones. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but on that, uh, on that commentary listing, there's one by uh, two philosophers, which is Dr. Cornell West and Ken Wilber. Mm -hmm. And Cornell West is, like, He's like considered one of the preeminent philosophers that we have uh, in modern times. I mean, this dude, he's kind of like, I don't know, like Black Socrates. Like he is, like the dude is intensely smart. And uh, I he, could just be like another Socrates. Right, yeah. But the, the, I think the fact that uh, the Wachowskis brought him in because he has an entirely different way of looking at things because he is black so when they talk about like how Neo and the rest of the humans are are basically bonded into slavery, he has a totally different perspective on that from Ken Wilber because Ken Wilber is a white guy. But if you listen to the philosopher's commentary, they talk about all the philosophical stuff that happens in this movie through the entire thing. Like they almost the only thing that cuts them off is when the movie ends and they're like the the credits run out. They could still they could talk about these movies forever probably <laughs> well it's it, it's an open subject with a lot of stuff because it, it's so much compact and it, you know you like equilibrium fine there's not that much work that went into equilibrium it was a action sci-fi movie right 
it was good, but The Matrix didn't rip that off. And this is an action sci-fi movie, but so is Terminator. So you is know, Aliens. I mean, <laughs> um, Dark City was Alex Proyas, which was amazing, and uh, it was very good. Did he put this much work into it? No, he couldn't. He, you know, h- how much was Dark City made for? Maybe five million dollars. Yeah, um, it was kind of like an indie movie, really. It really was, and it's great. I love that movie. I, I have that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's not that's not the Matrix. The Matrix was something different, something more. Yeah, it was because uh, there's so many layers to this. It's something that's uh, y- you actually have to review philosophy, and then people that even people that wrote stuff about democracy not working and. Uh, because the the average citizen's ill-informed, all this kind of stuff was added into the movie. Yeah, you know, because I- ignorance of humanity—that's that's kind of the point of this first one right here. Like they don't know what's going on. Right. And I think that if you look at the movie in total, like just the first part of it, without knowing what Matrix Two and what Matrix Three are, because they get even more into some of the philosophical stuff. On those, especially once you start getting into like the architect and all these other different characters, like the keymaker and the train man, and all these other characters well, that they introduce. We'll, we'll get to those, yeah. but the the reason I think a lot of people didn't like those is because they didn't understand them. Right, but this movie, I think, for a lot of people, they don't understand what this is, and this one is fairly easy to understand. I mean, I pretty much understood what the Matrix was, like really, like. About halfway through the first one, I'm like, okay, I get it. Because Morpheus does a pretty good job of explaining that the Matrix is is something that holds humanity down. And it's that whole idea. It's kind of like a totalitarian government, basically. That you have no freedom. Every... Every choice that you think you have is not really a choice. And, and you are let, stuck in this prison to be a battery. And know? I don't know if you agree with this, but I, I feel like this first movie is a Morpheus movie. Yes. Because this is very, very much on Morpheus. Yeah, this first movie is the Morpheus movie. The next two movies are the Neo movies. Right. Uh, but I feel like this first movie is Lawrence Fishburne's movie. Yeah. Because he's, he's the main antagonist, uh, right? I mean, he's the main guy that's kind of yeah. building everything. He's the one that recruits Neo. He's the one that believes in Neo. He's the one that trains him. He takes him to the Oracle. You uh, know, he, he, he gets caught and tortured, and it's not until the end of the movie that it becomes Neo. But the re- the whole first part of the movie is all Morpheus, really. Yeah, Morpheus is almost like the MacGuffin of the movie because... <laughs> I mean, really, he is because he's the thing that... Like, he's the thing that drives the movie forward because he the is. agents are also looking for Morpheus. The reason that they're they're arresting Thomas Anderson is because... Uh, Morpheus is, is they looking think that for him. They know that Morpheus is looking for him and he was like, he is a very dangerous terrorist. Because even when uh, Neo's like asleep in his apartment and he's like, he sort of passed out on his keyboard, there's like things going up in the background that's like Morpheus um, destroys Heathrow Airport and stuff like that. And so there's like there's like newspaper things popping up about this this guy named Morpheus that is destroying things around the world, and so you have this sense that like he's this dangerous individual, but really what it is is that he is the he is the main guy that is trying to find the one in the matrix that can like bring balance back to everything 
or destroy the machines or however that's happened. He knows that the key to their future is in the one. And, and you find out in later ones that that's not a popular goal that everyone else was sharing. Because nobody has the belief that Morpheus does. Morpheus, to a degree, is the true believer. He believes in the dogma. He believes in what the Oracle told him, that he will find the one. And even Neo doesn't really think that he's the one, but it doesn't Mor matter if he thinks it is. Morpheus knows that he's the one and has the faith in him. Morpheus in Greek mythology is the god of dreams. So, yes, yeah. and he's the one that awakes Neo. So, right. that, that, you know, that, that's how in depth these guys went in their thought process of what this movie should be. Right. So, getting into the Matrix proper. So, this is point number two. The story dragged as we were forced to sit through an explanation of the Matrix that was completely obvious. A couple of visual effects would have gotten the point across in less than a minute with more effect. While the characters beat the idea of the Matrix to death in the dialogue, it did little to shed light into the hearts and minds of the characters. What was their motivation? Uh, from where did they get their drive and courage? Why were they able to sense the Matrix? None of, none of the answers are even touched upon, and the characters are flat and unrealistic as a result. The idea of the Matrix is poorly thought out. Instead of creating a believable world and believable rules for the Matrix, the plot resorts to physical fighting, which makes no sense at all. The film obviously had no intention of stretching the mind of the viewer, instead catering to an audience of mindless action addicts. While action might have been added to a well-thought-out film, it uh, cannot support a film where the premise is psychological or intellectual. Okay, so... Alright, I mean, Morpheus says in the film that, you know, the, the, the body can't live without the mind. Uh, maybe he was wrong. I mean, we have some people that clearly live without their mind this guy right. channing tatum donald trump right i mean th these guys clearly are just shells walking amongst us yeah they're so, gotta be you lizard know what, people you know what maybe they're right maybe they fucked that aspect up of if, they, if this is how you want to believe this then yeah they, they must have fucked that up because this guy was able to write a paragraph right you know now so. some of this stuff is is cannibalized from different <laughs> things i think this is two comments smashed together well, I mean, those guys but, definitely, you know, belong there. Yeah. <laughs> so. But know. the the idea that the Matrix is not flushed out, or whatever, like that's not even close to being correct because they spend a lot of time establishing the rules of this place, how this works, how they can do what they do. Like Morpheus basically gives you like Matrix 101. Now, if you're an idiot and you're not really paying attention. Or you just don't comprehend very well. You're watching this and you're like, I just see Morpheus talking a bunch of gibberish and I have no clue what he said. Well, then that's your problem. The movie, as it exists, is completely understandable how it works. Your understanding of this is completely up to you. It's like watching Game of Thrones. They're not going to tell you what exactly timeline you are in, in this episode. Right. You have to be smart enough to know where you are, when you are. And... They don't, they don't say, oh, this was four weeks ago or anything like that. Nope. They just show you scenes and be like, this is what's happening. Hope you're smart enough to figure it out. Right. <laughs> and that's the same thing the Matrix does. They're not like, we're not going to hold your hand because it would take us three movies to explain what we already know and what everyone else already knows. The smart people know what's going on. Which is why this movie was so successful, honestly, because luckily... 
there's more smart people in the world than there are dumb ones that right. watch films like this. Yeah, but like, what was their motivation and from where did they get their drive and courage? You have motivation all over this whole fucking movie. Even Agent Smith, who is the bad guy of this movie, has motivation. He wants to get rid of the Matrix because he hates humans. He doesn't want to interact with them anymore. He hates humanity. He doesn't even like the smell of them because he even says that to Morpheus. Yeah, he does. He has motivation. Morpheus has motivation because he believes that he will find the one. That's his driving thing. To free the humans from the machines. To free the humans. To try and, and find the one that will... Basically, his goal is, like, I gotta find the new Jesus. That's essentially what he's trying to do. Trinity is trying to find her lover, right? Like, she's trying to find that person that completes her. Because she has weird, skeezy guys like Cypher that, like, hit on her and do all that kinds of shit. And even talks to them about, like, ah, I used to love you, Trinity. And she's like, that dude's a fucking weirdo. Neo is a good dude, and he will do what he has to for his friends and for people that he loves. And she knows that the one is the person that she's going to fall in love with. That's how she knows that Neo is supposed to be the one because that's who she falls in love with. So she's yeah, driven I mean, by she love. She even says it like, you know, the Oracle told her that she'd fall in love with the one. And she was like, you have to be the one because I love you. Right. I mean, and that's... It's, it's, <laughs> her, it's her love for him that brings him back after Agent Smith shoots him. And then he kicks that ass. And then he whoops that ass and then basically... I don't know, like, jumps into Smith and just blows him apart? Well, temporarily. He, he destroys the uh, the program. Yeah. He destroys part of Smith. Which... Because that that's necessarily what Neo is. He's the virus. Yeah, he's basically, yeah. He's they're the they're kind of virus. like two different viruses going at each other. Yeah. Because Smith eventually becomes something like a virus. He becomes the antivirus. He's trying yeah. to defeat Neo because Neo's the virus was inside the Matrix. Trying to trying destroy to, everything. So he's trying to destroy the Matrix. Yeah. So that's why they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. Because something that happens, you know, what what happens to Smith is that part of Neo gets imprinted on him. Yeah. And you so, find out a lot more about that in part two, which we'll get to that we'll in more detail. We'll get to that. I mean, equilibrium but, isn't this complicated. There's no. reasons that there, there's not forums about equilibrium because it's like, well, there's equilibrium. It's a good movie, but that's what it is. It's just like a movie. Over but with. It, it doesn't spark debate like this does. Dark City, it's like, that's a great movie. That's what Dark City is. The end. The Matrix is layers upon layers of what it is because they wrote it that way. Right. Because they're better writers than the other two movies. And I love Alex Perez, but he wrote that by himself. Yeah. Um, you know, in a basement, probably. <laughs> I'm just in a van down, down by, by the, the river. river. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Alex Perez. I know you're uh, I know you're better than that. Alex Perez, if you ever listen to this, would be like, I didn't write that movie in a basement. And then, then, like, you wrote that in the basement in Egypt. We know that. Right. Um and he's but, Egyptian, uh, so he's not racist for not... Yeah, I mean, he actually is Egyptian, so you know, <laughs> come at me, bro. Uh, so uh, let's get to uh, number three. No sense of despair, darkness, or power from the futuristic scenes. The future world is portrayed so little that we really don't even have a chance to, to be overwhelmed by how horrible it could be. In an attempt to make a happy action film, the dark undertones were completely dropped. The entire idea of the skies being scorched is interesting, but it doesn't change the need to use humans for energy. 
Did you see the lightning in the clouds? The machines could tap into the lightning and power a billion cities for decades with just a few lightning bolts. Why use humans? Just kill them all off and be done with it. Yeah, that's not how lightning works. <laughs> for one. Also, uh, when you do see lightning bolts in the in the farms, basically, the, the human farms, yeah. how often do lightning bolts happen? Because I watched it earlier today, and it's only in maybe one or two frames. So you're going to wait around for, you know, randomly 20 years for a lightning bolt to strike so that you can power your shit? Yeah. That's it, not feasible. It's just not going to, to go well. I mean, it... People, like, really don't understand how the fuck the human battery farms work, and they try to figure out, like, well, they could have done it a different way. I don't think they necessarily know how electricity works. <laughs> that, do, do people still think that electricity works by lightning striking, like, electrical poles or something? That's not what's going on there. No. That's not what electricity is. Well, and some of the lightning that was in that was striking from cloud to cloud, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't striking that's the ground, it was side, cloud to... That's sideways lightning, which you, you can't contain. You can't harness that because it's striking from cloud to cloud. The only lightning that you possibly could can... You really can't because wasn't that the Nikola Tesla experiment trying to ball lightning up? Yeah, he was trying to harness lightning. It's yeah, free and, energy. The, and the Thomas Edison experiment was actually creating electricity, which is what we do now. Right. Um, now, we, Tesla was a genius, but he couldn't figure that shit out. Yeah, he didn't figure that. I mean, regardless of what you see in the movie, the lightning shit was insane. It's just too much. Right. Uh, voltage for any, like, structure to... That's why when it hits something, it destroys it. It's just too much. Yeah, to think so, you could just set up, like, a rod and just be like, yeah, okay, so we're just going to have it strike this pole, and then we're going to be good for, like, 25 years, guys. The thing with the key and light bulb and shit, that was bullshit. That's, that's not a real story. <laughs> you know... I mean, people know that, right? Like, the... I would hope so. That's n that's not real. Franklin with the kite and the key. Yeah, that's not a real story. That did not happen at all. I think I remember Adam Conover talking about that. Yeah, that that's not real. That's just some like, made actually, up shit. Actually, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's not made up. He would have literally been electrocuted and died. And shout out to Adam Ruins Everything. Uh, <laughs> we love that show. Yeah, uh, um, I love Adam Ruins Everything. It's awesome. So it's your that, daily that, dose of truth. So that's not how it works. So most likely if lightning struck the machines to energize them, they would just destroy them. Right. Uh, so you get something more sufficient like a battery or a human being, which does um, have a lot of energy. Right. I mean, human beings are all made up of energy. We are all pure energy. That's why we consume things like calories to maintain our energy. Yes, we have to eat. Because we live off energy. When yeah. our energy... We have to sleep to regain our energy. Yeah. When our energy ceases, we die. Yeah. Because uh. when we scorched the sky, we also made the uh, everything just like very difficult. Like Nature is very difficult to contain. That was one of the reasons why Morpheus was like... You know, that's why we blackened the sky. We scorched the sky because they were powered by solar. Yeah, machines don't know how to deal with nature because they're not in tune with nature. Yeah. So how would they understand how lightning works? Yeah. I mean, they can understand how to build each other and things like that, but they might not have ideas on, like, how to harness things like fucking lightning bolts. You know how you harness a lightning bolt? It's in a fucking movie, and it's called Back to the Future because it's yeah. a movie. <laughs> 
And as that, much as I love that movie, the, the only reason that they know where that lightning bolt is going to strike is because it's something that's already happened, and it's an infamous event. Imagine trying to be like, okay, we're going to set up posts and wait for lightning to strike it. Lightning so, might not ever strike that post. Yeah, to predict lightning is basically like predicting the lottery. Right, yeah. Like, I can predict the lottery every time. It's these numbers. The, the machines aren't that smart. Right. But I just that kind of shit, and also the idea that it's a happy action film. There's nothing happy about this movie at all. <laughs> it's so gloomy. They actually take, in post, they actually take all the blue out whenever they're in the Matrix to make it even more depressing looking. Right. Well, that's one of the things, too, because the Wachowskis color-coded everything in this movie. When you're in the Matrix, it's tinted green. Anything related to the Matrix is green. Even the Matrix code is green. Because when you see the real world, it's tinted blue. Right. The only green in the real world is the matrix code on the screen when they're looking at the code in the terminals. That's the only time you see green in the real world is when you're looking at those terminals. Because green doesn't really exist in their world, but green does exist in the matrix. So that's why when you're in the matrix, you know you're in the matrix because everything is tinted green. Exactly. The real world's tinted blue. And when they're in training programs, it's tinted yellow. Like when Morpheus is uh, training Neo, that's tinted yellow because that's a training dojo. And you guys notice the little nose sniff that Keanu does? Completely improv and a complete tribute to Bruce Lee. Yep. That's definitely a Bruce thing. Uh, it was something that Keanu did on the fly, and they're like, we're keeping it. And why wouldn't you? Because... Keanu Reeves giving tribute to Bruce Lee. I just don't see any better fucking thing that could ever happen in the universe. Right. Oh, imagine if Bruce was around to do some shit like this. He would have been kind of an older man at this point, but imagine if Bruce was in a movie like this. Oh, they definitely would have let him be a part of this yeah. in some form oh, of Oh, imagine, fashion. like, in the second movie when you get introduced to Ghost. Or, uh, no, not Ghost. It's, um, uh, he's the, the guy that protects the Oracle. Um, that is Ghost. Is that no Ghost is Ghost is one of the guys in the crew. He Ghost is with Niobe. That's right. Like if you ever play Enter the Matrix, uh, that video game, <laughs> that is about Ghost and Niobe. So we'll, what's we'll, the? We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, uh, I forgot. We'll tell you the name but we'll get to guy. that when we get to part two. When we get to uh, Matrix Reloaded. But Jet Li turned down a part in the first one, and then he was offered a part in the second one again, and he also turned it down, and then yep. he ended up becoming this guy. Right. Uh, which I still don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you more about it. We'll get to that so. when we get to Reloaded. Um, yeah. Because we don't want to spoil stuff for you. And uh, Right. Uh, but th this is a trilogy, so a lot of the stuff ties in together. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to... Um, this is kind of the Star Wars of like our generation. Yeah. Because it's a very, very well thought out trilogy. Um. So, this first part, though, people were already having issues with it. So, uh, number four, since we're still talking about the future and the machines, right? right? The idea of a machine and AI, artificial intelligence, they had to actually put that in brackets because I guess they figured you wouldn't know what the fuck that was, uh, is a fun story, but why are the machines bothering to do this since they already know that they, that they are created by humans, then why stay on Earth? Why not go into outer space? 
Why not explore the universe? If so, then why go to the why go into the universe? The machine would already calculate that there is no God and therefore existence is futile. They would become Buddha and thus peaceful. <laughs> that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Right. That um, one, I was literally, I was eating when I found this comment and I was like, I think I might die uh, from reading this because I'm probably going to choke. I'm trying to laugh so hard. So because... the machines would realize that there's no God, which the machines obviously would have no concept of God. No. Our spirituality, our religion. Yeah. Because they're machines, they'll never develop that. No. Trait. Machines ever. can never understand what a God is. Our spirituality are what a soul is because humans they have don't a have it. Humans have a different thing about the soul. You can actually feel pain and sadness and happiness and stuff like like inside your body happening. Like you can actually feel it daily, you know. Yeah. You don't know what religion that might be or what it is. It might not even be a religion at all, but there is something inside you that lives and feels and stuff like that. A machine could never feel that. No. And also, you know what it takes to go outside this atmosphere? <laughs> right. That was going to be my you, next you point. You just can't randomly just be like, I'm a machine. I'm going to go into outer space. They would disintegrate. You know how hard it is for a spaceship to get out of the atmosphere? Right. John, tell them how hard it is for a spaceship to get out of this our own atmosphere. Right. So when you're trying to leave Earth's gravity, right, It's uh, I don't remember exactly what the math is on it, but you have to be traveling, uh, in order to leave Earth's gravity, you have to be going at, I think, roughly 17,000 miles per hour. Like, that's what you have to be able to travel at, which you can only get with really high-powered rockets. Because only the Saturn V rockets were able to get anything that fast. And uh, how much of the rockets is destroyed leaving the atmosphere? Um, most of the most of the tanks are destroyed in the atmosphere because they're not really meant. The booster rockets, like on the Saturn V, for example, the ones that launched Apollo Eleven, they they basically are only meant to get it off of the ground. And to get it up into, I think, the second stage, and then you have additional rockets. So the big tanks on the Saturn V fall off, and then they, they fall back to Earth and basically right. burn up in the atmosphere. And then as you get through the next stages of the boosters, all of your fuel is spent just getting you up into space. And then once you're past the atmosphere and you're basically in microgravity where gravity doesn't really affect you anymore in order to leave that you have to be traveling at the end roughly about 17,000 miles per hour right so machines are supposed to do this and the only <laughs> fucking energy they have are human beings billions of human beings being used as fucking batteries so these how the fucking... fuck are they gonna find the fuel <laughs> they can work out the math, but how the fuck are they going to find the fuel to build some NASA-type shit? These machines are going to go, go 17,000 miles per hour into the atmosphere just to get into that, and they would fucking disintegrate instantly. <laughs> Whoever wrote this watched way too many movies about some bullshit about you just nonchalantly going through an atmosphere. Right. It's it doesn't work like it does in Star Wars where you can just hop in the ship and just take off. Yeah, boom! Yeah, oh yeah, because you're it's, in outer space. It's, I mean, those are sci-fi movies and they're great and we love them, but that's not real. Yeah. That's not, that's not how shit really works. They have technology that they basically, they're like, well, it's, it's alien technology. It's from a different universe. That's how 
George Lucas explains hyperspace. Well, it's from a, you know, it's from a different galaxy, so you know it it just works. You know, because he's not going to spend 15 minutes on how film the force showing works. like, okay, we are go for launch. Okay, all right. Uh, we need to have the tank pressures at, uh, you know, whatever PSI. I'm just, I'm just like, just doing this off the top of my head. You know, so like, if you watch like Apollo 13, you get to see what that launch looks like because that makes sense for a movie that's based on Apollo 13 because and, it's about a NASA mission that failed. And Tom Hanks is an icon. Yeah, Tom Hanks is an icon. He's he's the cherished by all generations. Yeah, but, I mean, he's fucking Woody. But the <laughs> he's fucking Forrest Gump, man. He's a national treasure. We need to put him in a fucking when museum. When is he going to be a fucking Avenger? Right, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks for Avengers. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks for, for Avengers. Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because the Nicolas Cage did movies called National Treasure, but really the National Treasure is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I um, mean, let's make the next National <laughs> Treasure movie about just like finding tom hanks that'd right. be like i'd love that movie actually I, I would give all my money to that movie right but the I, the concept that machines would calculate that there is no god machines don't have a concept of god that's a human creation that yeah that's that's a human creation they wouldn't even think about it but then at the end they're like they would become buddha and thus peaceful no yeah. <laughs> why would they become buddha if they decided that there is no god Right. And I mean, Buddha's not, Buddha's not treated as a god. Buddha's more of a philosopher. But, but he's, Buddhism he's is treated a, like a religion. He's an ideal of spirituality. Right, yeah. Which so he's is, considered which, godlike. Yeah, exactly. Which is religion. Which machines would never develop on no. their own. No, machines would have to get that idea from us. But they hate us, and they use us as fucking batteries. They so they're going to develop the concept of a god? No, they would just use us. For whatever they needed us for, and if they didn't need us, they'd just kill us all. Right. Well, the whole idea that they would calculate that there is no God, they would never think to calculate shit like that. No, they would. The, the, the idea of God wouldn't even be a concept to them. Right. But also, neither would um, uh, maybe like uh, some type of uh, order or command either. I don't right. know necessarily if machines would actually work together if they ever became in power because I don't think they would understand what that is. Right. So the whole concept of this is kind of foolish. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that people talk about when they watch this. Who the fuck watches this and thinks, you know what, if, if they don't like the humans so much and they hate these motherfuckers, why don't they just leave the planet? Does it look like they have the means to fucking do that? Yeah, they went yeah. through a war that destroyed most of both sides. What you have left is the, what the machines did with the humans, basically, by growing them in fucking farms for like 100 years, or almost 200 years. Yeah, ma machines really have no capability of that type of thought or want to to be able to leave and explore worlds and stuff. That's a human trait. Right. And also, if you left Earth's atmosphere, the first thing that you would encounter is the moon. You don't know shit about that. You don't know that its gravity is one-fourth ours. Like, would the machines know shit like that? They might have some of the humans' intellect, maybe. But who's to say that the humans... And, and uh, you'd have to probably watch some of the stuff in Animatrix. It's been a while since I've watched any of that stuff. But I would imagine the humans probably would have destroyed some information that they didn't want the machines to have, right? Because it's a war. They're fighting against each other. And if they destroyed it, then the machines couldn't get it because apparently the machines can't learn it. 
Right. How would machines learn things? I mean, <laughs> that that that's that's actually something that I really want to know. How do you think machines would learn things without human input? Yeah, well, or having some existing knowledge that's already there. Would they because know how to explore? Would they know how to learn? Would they, they know? Would they know when they got into deeper space what the fuck to do? Or would no. they just fly into like into the fucking orbit of Jupiter and get pulled in and just get fucking destroyed in its atmosphere? That's most likely what exactly <laughs> would happen because they wouldn't know that that was dangerous and they wouldn't know the threat of death because they're not alive. Right, exactly. So, do you, do you honestly think that the Wachowskis are going to sit down and go like, you know what, this is actually kind of dumb. Wouldn't the fucking, wouldn't the machines just like fucking leave Earth? No. <laughs> no, they would depend off the human. And that's that's the whole reason the Matrix exists. They need humans to survive. And they need humans for information. Because right. they can't build any information on their own because they're fucking machines. Right. They need human <laughs> intellect to help them. That's why it's a symbiotic relationship. So if The you humans think... are kept alive because of the machines. And the machines need the humans to be alive so that they can get shit from them. So like you, energy. <laughs> so if you're one of the people that think in the future that the Terminators can exist, I mean, they might exist for a few years, but eventually they would all pretty much cease to function because human functionality is what gives them intellect. They can't function if they kill all the humans. It's just not possible. Right. Because That's... what's their purpose then? Because they have to keep the humans locked inside the Matrix. That's why they created the thing, so that they didn't fucking rebel and destroy them. That's why the Matrix is fucking created in the first place, because it's a prison to prevent them from rebelling. It's a thing to keep them down. <laughs> so, I mean, it's why, is it, why it exists. Okay, so, basically, to sum this up, right... So, what they're going to do is they're going to somehow find enough rocket fuel that they could actually build things like the Saturn V rocket and launch themselves. They have to have a launch pad. They have to have launch computers. They have to have the math, which they can work out the math. They're machines. I'm pretty sure they could probably figure the math out. Yeah. That's not entirely implausible. So, they have to build an entire NASA-style space program from scratch. Meanwhile, these... Earth's atmosphere is scorched, right? They have no vision of the stars. They haven't seen the sun uh, in 200 years, roughly. So you're not going to have any fucking clue where you're going. You're going to have to leave Earth, go to a different fuck planet, find different fucking people there, then figure out how the fuck to turn them into batteries and start this whole fucking process over again. Steve, how how the fuck does that work? <laughs> it doesn't work very well. I mean, basically, what, what's going to happen is you're just literally going to blow up a random... We uh, fucking can't find life in the universe. You think machines that can't think like humans are going to be able to fucking find another planet and enslave those motherfuckers and turn them into batteries? They can't explore anything. They're, they're, they're machines. They're not explorers. They're machines. Right? So... You saying, like, why doesn't this machine have the exploration of, you know, Lewis and Clark or something? It's like, because they're not human. They have no they have no sense of mortality, for one. They have no sense of... Adventure. Uh, adventure. <laughs> they have no sense of direction. Honestly, they don't know what the fuck the, 
you know, they're not gonna map out the stars. They don't even know what the fuck stars are because they can't see the shit. <laughs> you know, they don't have, like I was saying before, they don't have spirituality. They don't know, they don't know an afterlife. When they blow up, they're just a fucking machine. Yeah, no, but you don't actually see the sun in these movies until part three, when Trinity sees the sun for the first time, in that ship. So, like, just this whole con this shit makes my brain hurt. And, it, like, it made my brain hurt when I first copied this down. Now it makes my brain hurt even more because I'm trying to figure out the logistics of how the fuck you build the NASA space program, go to a different fucking planet. You have to find life in other planets. We still haven't figured out where the fuck life is. You think machines are going to be able to do that? Yeah, AI will always Before lose. they die? Like, we was talking about, like, what, what if Skynet actually won in the Terminator? What the fuck would they do then? Right. So imagine, like, so imagine Skynet finally destroys the humans. They kill John Connor. They kill everybody else. Right. And, and humanity is extinct. We no longer exist on planet Earth. Right. What do you think the machines do? What the fuck do the T eight hundreds just stand there and just look at each other? And then the the hunter killer drones are just kind of like flying over, like hovering, and they're like, oh well, there's no more humans to kill. What the fuck do they do? They probably just shut down, power down. Life over. Right. They're never built to win. Right. They're built to lose. That's why Skynet always basically will fail because there is no point to it existing. There's no point to winning. Yeah. There's just honestly no point of Skynet winning. Yeah. Because after they win, they have nothing. Yeah. It's the same thing in these movies. If the machines win, what the fuck do they, what do, they do? It's What they, is the Matrix then? Is it just a bunch of machines uploaded into its own fake program? No, it's human beings loaded into a program that is designed to keep them from rebelling against the machines. Exactly. Because they need the humans to be alive so that they can use them as fucking batteries. <laughs> so if you destroy the humans, there goes your fucking power source. Because you can't be solar powered anymore because humans scorch the sky. So you, your solar power is gone. You rely on the humans... To exist so that you can exist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, do people not understand how the fuck some of this stuff works? But uh, Don't worry about machines ever taking over and killing all humans. It's just not possible. Right. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, moving on to the next point. Which I, I wasn't sure I was going to have to do this. But when I found this comment, I was like, okay. You're going to have to. We're going to have to go there. Uh, number five. What I didn't expect was that the special effects were horrible too. And I can't believe people think that they are good. Good special effects make you forget that you are seeing special effects. And you can believe that they are real. In the Matrix, you never forget. They are way overdone and end up looking childish. We've never we've we've seen these cheesy effects done a million times in commercials, even though people may not realize it. So, Steve, <laughs> Bullet Time was created for this movie to do what? It was created so that you could uh, see the power of Neo, basically. Well, that, and also in the special effects world, it's the first time they've been able to individually photograph something from angles in 360 degrees and have a rotating shot around something without having to do it in like a digital sense because if you actually look at how bullet time is done for example just in the bullet time 
it is camera set up at intervals in like a spiral. So when you see yeah, that the... random agent shoot at Neo and Keanu like kind of like he like folds back because he's dodging the bullets. When Keanu does that, he has an array of cameras lined up that are like regular photo cameras and they fire one at a time in sequence to go around that. It's it's almost like a giant like a 360 spiral because it comes up. It has to overlap and then it comes up as it shows the the very top of the shot. They actually have bullets on strings. So the main thing that you realize when you see something like that is that that is the, that bullet time effect was created for just this movie. And now anybody can use that. That changed the way that we do photography for a movie, right? It was used in over 20 movies after. Right. It it changed the game because now you could actually do something like that and have the the photo cameras fire in sequence to create a shot that is done entirely in regular photography, but it looks like it might be done in a computer. Now you would just do that in a computer, of course, but the only reason we have shots like that is because we cre they created something that's known as bullet time. Yeah, the technology in this movie was invented in this movie. Right. So the Wachowskis created this technology for future films. And that's why it's considered one of the greatest film franchises of all time. It's because they invented so much for the industry at the time. Right. But even just like their use of like green screen and special effects with practical effects. Because if you look at the shootout in the, in the lobby, right? When they're before, they, before uh, Neo and Trinity get on the elevator to, to try and save Morpheus... When they're in that lobby, that entire lobby is done with practical effects. There is not one CG effect in that entire sequence. From the time that they walk in to the lobby and they get like checked for guns, and when they get into the elevator, that entire sequence is shot entirely with practical effects. Like, you know, stunt guns, stunt bullets, squibs, Breakaway panels, everything is done for real. Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu are linked up on wires, and they basically do all of their stunts like just in the course of the scene. Yeah, there's no CG Very in any impressive. part of that. But when you factor how complicated that fucking shootout scene is with the police, the guards, that's fucking complicated as shit. But to think that they could pull that stuff off while being hung on wires to do all of their like acrobatic stunts and stuff like that. That's pretty impressive. And that's just regular practical effects with squibs and stunt guns, stunt bullets, stuff like that. But you, some of these things you cannot do practically. Like the sequence when Neo finally like awakes and he, he wakes up in the real world, in the actual real world. What happens? He touches that mirror and that mirror becomes like imprinted on him, right? And it starts like going down his hand and it like starts covering his body and everything. Yeah. How the fuck are you supposed to do that? Well, we're going to cover Keanu Reeves in fucking molten mercury. <laughs> like, yeah, they we're don't gonna... do that. They, he, has, he, he obviously wears green. He wears like uh, a green glove. Green glove. And then and they then... add that special effect on him. And then they have a green screen where the mirror is. So they can add that in to make it look like he's, he's pulling like material from the mirror. Which is hard stuff to do as an actor. But Keanu Reeves always seems to impress. Right. And that's the thing. I think that people have this idea that 
like CG is bad. But even when they do stuff that's entire that's not CG, people still hate it anyway. They're like, oh well, that scene was pointless. It's like no, they basically had to get into a shootout and kill a whole fuck ton of guards because they're on their way to try and save Morpheus, right? So it, it always kills me when people want to talk about the CG of a movie because like we, it came up when we were talking about Star Wars. Everybody was like, oh, they CG'd the shit out of those movies and they look fake because everything's on a green screen. How the fuck are you supposed to be able to do some of these things without the aid of a green screen? Some of this shit is not possible unless you do it in the computer. Yeah, because it's not real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're doing a movie... It's about as real as your little dreadlocked machines flying in outer space just at random. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, the so squiddies. these machines yeah. can go 17,000 miles per hour. They would have already destroyed all the human ships. Right. I mean, if they could go that fucking fast... <laughs> that the, Steve is still kind of salty about that comment. He's still he's still thinking about it. I'm just saying. <laughs> but the the thing is, is that like some of this shit isn't possible unless you have special effects. And then to say like the special effects aren't good. What year did this movie come out, Steve? 1999. 99, right? So the what year else? of our Lord? <laughs> Keanu Reeves, um, <laughs> our Lord and Savior. Um, <laughs> Some people be like, that's blasphemy. It's like, look, if you're not a member of the Church of Keanu, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, anyway. I mean, what are you worshiping there? Buddha, come on. <laughs> Buddha, Buddha. Isn't, Buddha isn't John Wick, so that's your yeah, argument's Buddha, invalid. Buddha can't use a gun like that. <laughs> <laughs> look, we're not saying anything against Buddhist people. If you're Buddhist, like, that's cool. Like, some of the stuff in Buddhism is actually pretty interesting if you read about it. Yeah, we like We're just Buddhist. fucking with you people because this is called entertainment. Yeah. Um, but it's also called Keanu Reevism. <laughs> and we have a church. Right. <laughs> the Church of Keanu. And we will also, we have these things, they're called uh, golden tickets to heaven, and you can you can buy them. We they're got $100 them, we, got, we got them from Jesus, he met us at KB, KFC, and said that we had to sell these tickets to heaven, and if you don't believe us, we'll wear a wire and we'll set Jesus up. <laughs> we'll set Jesus up, and uh... I literally, yeah. just to take just a quick break from if the you go, If you go to hell, you cannot sue us. Right, yeah, yeah. That's um, in the contract. <laughs> that's in the contract. You go to hell, there's no suing. Uh, but just to take a, just a short break from the Matrix, right, for a second. Uh, we, we talked about this on another episode, and it was the whole uh, uh, thing, because it happened in Florida where it was like the... If you just Google uh, Golden Tickets to Heaven and you'll find this... Uh, it's a... Uh, I don't remember exactly where you found the article at, like what website it was. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure right now. Yeah, I don't know but... if you remember. But you can, I literally Googled it because I had to explain to somebody at work how retarded that was. And they literally were going to, they were trying to get into outer space so that they could, the aliens could bring them to a the, planet, their planet made, of and, drugs. To a planet made entirely out of cocaine. Yeah. Okay, so. Maybe that's where the that's where the machine should go in this movie. Yeah, they should just boom. They should out of just space. they should just boom, fly to outer space and find a planet made entirely out of cocaine and then fuel themselves on cocaine. Yeah. Right? Because robots can fucking do that. Uh, anyway. You know, why don't I ever get an offer to be like, aliens, hey, let's go out of space. We have like the best video games ever on our planet. 
Why no, it's always like ever? they want to put stuff in our butts. Like, what's they want to put that? stuff in our butts or give us drugs. It's <laughs> like, these aliens are kind of pieces of shit. <laughs> right. Aliens are pretty <laughs> fucked up, and if they show up, it's like, look, we don't want any of your stuff, and don't put anything in our asses. <laughs> no, we don't want to come, because <laughs> this is fucked up. We got another Avengers movie to go. Not missing it for your shitty alien planet. We're also, we're not going to do any of that shit that you did to Tom Arnold. Because we know you did some shit to Tom Arnold. Yeah, you fucked him up. He was on a good path. Then you abducted him. And what the fuck is he now? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And also, you guys could probably just take Lars Ulrich back. Because we don't want him anymore. Please take Lars. Please take Lars. No, 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 no. Lars is Earth guy. Right. And it's like, no, this is bullshit. We know he's an alien. Right. Take him back. Yeah. And while you're at it, take Kirk Hammett, because he doesn't play guitar for him anymore either. He just fakes it while the tech plays it on stage. Take him and give us some good musicians, <laughs> you alien fucks. Right. Okay. We'll go so, to war with you alien motherfuckers. We'll do it. You're right. <laughs> and we'll win because we're humans. We're humans, and we could actually fucking think. Right. And we, so, care, we care about dying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, number six. This is probably our favorite topic of all time, right? Keanu has to be one of the worst actors of our era. <laughs> he's, he's just... No, he has to. Okay. Yeah, he has to be the worst. I can't. I can hardly even finish this, this paragraph. Okay. He shows no signs of even moderate intelligence or talent, and as a hero, he comes across as flat and uninspiring. Uh, it is hard to believe that his character would have anything to offer that would distinguish him from your average idiot. And in action scenes, it was impossible to tell if he was supposed to look silly or if he can't help it. No charisma, no flair, just pathetic. Hugo Weaving easily gives the worst performance of his career as a strictly one-note wooden bad guy in the grand tradition of one-note wooden bad guys. Wow. I felt the thing about... I was like, I would expect people to trash on Keanu because I expected that. That was one of the first things I found with people bitching about Keanu's acting, which people do constantly. And anybody who can do Shakespeare uh, is not a shitty actor. You try doing Shakespeare and then tell me how good you can do Hamlet. One of the greatest Hamlets ever. We talked about this on the 47 Ronin podcast, right? Uh, So... But when I found the thing that was like Hugo Weaving gives the worst performance of his career as Agent Smith, no, if anything, this is one of the things that defines Hugo Weaving because he does such a fucking good job as this, Agent this, Smith. This type of stuff is what got Hugo Weaving into the Lord of the Rings. Right. As, you know, Elrond. And, um... Yeah. And then eventually he was, you know, V and V for Vendetta. I mean, we already went over some of this stuff, but... But, so... To say that Agent Smith is the worst performance of his fucking career? This is kind of what made his career, really. He he thinks the two worst actors in this movie is Keanu Reeves and Hugo Weaving? Who would be the worst actor in this movie? Can you think of somebody in here that's just objectively terrible that you didn't like to watch? I don't think there is a worst actor of this movie because I don't know anybody that's bad in this movie no i mean even the lady who plays the oracle i mean she's amazing the, uh the pretty much everybody plays mouse is good yeah the he lady in red like mouse the lady in red smoking hot so the I mean, only thing that good. could made her hotter if it was scarlett johansson right which um, i mean basically that's kind of what she's meant to be that's, i guess that's exactly what a she's really really chesty be. pretty blonde yeah that's Basically, Scarlett Johansson. That's not what we're saying. That's what you are, Scarlett. I don't. I don't want that to come <laughs> off like that. 
I mean, let's not get it twisted. Like, she is uh, sexy, but she's also an incredibly good actress, too. Yeah, she's amazingly beautiful, but that's not what defines you. You're you're yeah. an awesome actress. Black Widow is one of our favorite characters in Avengers, and you've been in, like, a billion things that we love. Right. Like, In- uh, Ghost, in the, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. We defend you to the death. Yeah, I mean, we actually Scar-Jo. did an entire episode about Ghost in the Shell to, to basically defend Scarlett Johansson and some other stuff. But, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll always defend ScarJo because she's right. amazing and uh, she's talented. It's like people beautiful. just randomly hate on, like, Jennifer Lawrence. And it's like, what the fuck... Why do you people just randomly hate on actors? I haven't even thought of a movie that I'm like, I have to defend her in this movie? Like, she made like a billion dollars. What the fuck? Why right. am I having to defend her in this movie? Yeah. Now, we're not fans of Channing Tatum, but we don't do a podcast on him because we don't give enough of a shit about Channing Tatum. Because usually, we... usually he's smart enough to do movies with great people, so we can't bash on a whole entire movie of his yeah. or anything. Unless this Gambit fucking movie gets made. I don't know if it's going to get made or not. If it does, it better be the fucking role of the lifetime because I will fucking kill you, Channing, and <laughs> fuck Gambit up. <laughs> uh, allegedly. Anyway. <laughs> allegedly kill you. I will allegedly kill you. <laughs> you're, you're going to die if you right. fuck Gambit up. Um, Do not fuck Gambit up! Right, you hashtag don't fuck up Gambit. Although the Venom movie looks like it's going to be pretty badass. So. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Can Tom Hardy also play Gambit? That way I know that it's in good hands. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than this. Um, Tom Hardy would nail that shit. He would. He would actually learn a Cajun accent and just, just for that fucking movie. Can we get Leo to play Gambit? Yes. There we go. But uh, but anyway. Leo! <laughs> You're my boy, Leo! Okay. Uh, so... Speaking about characters and acting and growth and things like that, we get to uh, point number seven. When a character skips over the growth and learning process because they just download the skills like flying a helicopter or learning kung fu, yeah, I see that I see that as a flaw in the story and writing. Where does then where does it stop? I was expecting a character uh, to actually say, "Well, yeah, I know how because I uh, downloaded a program." Nobody's fooling me with the whole it's about computers, they can do that stuff bit. Save it for the 13-year-olds that understand the plot. They There are smarter and more creative ways of conveying this idea. I hated the fight scenes as well. CGI on them almost every fight, especially when everything looks like a game later, does not mean it's good. Far from it. We get it. 13-year-olds are smarter than you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole thing that, like, well, you know, they don't have to... In a movie, so you're you're telling me that during the process of a movie, so Trinity needs to learn how to fly a helicopter, right? Like in the spur of the moment, and so you're expecting that instead of just like having like Dozer just like download a program to her while she's plugged in and she can immediately know how to fly that helicopter, she's got to think back to when she was a little girl. And she had somebody teach her how to how to fly a helicopter when she was like 11 or 12 or something like that. And she remembers those lessons and she hasn't used them in like 20 years. So she doesn't remember if she's going to be able to know how to do it. You don't have fucking time for that. You have agents trying to shoot you in the fucking face with bullets. Yeah, You're so- like, those are, I need to program to learn how to fucking fly a helicopter. If she can download it in like two seconds, okay, cool. Now I know how to fly a helicopter. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. Why why the fuck do people think that that's a bad thing? 
The character growth is not in their skills or anything. Neo learns how to do every fucking martial arts and knows everything that he needs to know about fighting agents in roughly 10 hours. Because Dozer even says, yeah, he's a, yeah, I mean, he's just crazy. He's been going at this for like 10 hours. You just stay up for 10 hours and keep loading programs into Neo because he kept wanting to learn new shit. There's no way you can catch up to all of the shit that Morpheus and Trinity and like well, Tank and Dozer and all those guys know. He doesn't have time to catch up. I mean, even Morpheus said... At one point, he was like, he's like, I have to apologize because normally we don't release people, we don't free people at once they reach a certain age because it's very difficult for them to deal with the reality of this because they are so set in the matrix and how it works. And he was like, a lot of people don't, like their mind becomes really, really crazy whenever they awaken yeah. and they're this old. And so he understands that he's awakening Neo and Neo's like, uh, how old is Neo? Probably like in his mid twenties. Like he's probably like just past college, and he's like he has like a full time job working at the software company, and he kind of hates it because he's like twenty four and he doesn't really want to be doing this shit because he that's why he's a hacker on the side. So he's you know like twenty something years old, mid twenties, maybe later twenties, depending on how you want to consider how old Trinity is and everybody else. You know that Neo is probably, or that Morpheus is a little bit older because Morpheus has been doing this for a long time because he's had many different people in his crew. So, but to think that like you're gonna have to explain how they do all this shit just out of nowhere, it's like no, the the growth in them as people is not in like the skills that they learn. It's how they use those skills to accomplish what the fuck they're trying to do. Yes. I mean, right? Isn't that the whole point of all this? Exactly. I mean, Neo is the one. But in order for him to become the one, he has to know all of these different things. He has to understand martial arts. He has to understand basic things like how to operate guns. You think Thomas Anderson, like his Matrix version of him, before he becomes Neo, you think he understands how to operate a fucking gun? He knows how a computer program works because he's a hacker. That's one of the reasons he's probably the one anyway. It's because of how he can deal with coding and machines. Yes. Hello, Mr. Anderson. Yeah. But to me, the character growth is in how he takes what he learns and uses that to do things like save Morpheus. Because he has a choice. Yeah. He can just let Morpheus die and because he's safe, he's out of the Matrix. And he's like, no, fuck it. Keep him plugged in. I'm going in after him. And they're like, that's suicide. Like, nobody goes into a, a building with, like, three agents willingly and just tries to rescue one of us. Yeah. The they're whole... like, he's a lost cause. He's gone. And he's like, no. He's, he's like, like, I'm going in after him. And then Trinity's like, I'm coming with you. Right. And he's like, no, you're not. And she was like, I'll do whatever the damn well I please. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, she she's like, She no, does outrank him. So. Yeah, she's like, I do outrank you. And she... You know, she's just like, you're not going in there to die without me. Right. Because uh, she loves him or whatever. And she knows that he's actually doing the right thing. Right. So he goes in there, kicks ass, you know. Trinity uh, kicks ass. Trinity kicks ass, you know, and then and they... she needs to be able to fly a helicopter, which is super fucking useful because they need something that they can fly to not only get access to the minigun, which is pretty badass when... Neo's using the minigun to gun down the agents. He fucks them up, and he then Morpheus gets up. up. Climactic scene. He comes and jumps and 
Neo grabs him, then he saves Trinity because he fucking holds on to the fucking helicopter. Yeah. And, and, and basically pulls Trinity out of the helicopter using Trinity the tether. Out of the helicopter, and he's like, see, I told you, he was the one. Right. And it's... But that's the thing. It's like, because people think that like just because they can have stuff like downloaded into them that like they don't have any growth just because because even when neo like when he like when he kind of like first like wakes up out of his like training like when he downs downloading the training programs and he looks up at morpheus and he was like i know kung fu and he's like show me yeah it's like okay you know martial arts let's fucking use it now what do you actually know do you just know the shit that like they downloaded from the programs, or can you actually like really do this shit for real? Yeah, you can upload it, but can you do it? Right. So you can upload anything, but can you do it? Right. That's that's the thing that it it tells you really early on if you're you know have like a conscious mind and not retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get it twisted. When we say people are being retarded, we mean that they're not using their brain. Not people that are like actually retarded. Like mentally challenged yeah, people. Yeah, mentally challenged people, people that have mental issues. That's totally different. We're not talking about them. We're talking about people that are acting like a retard and just not using their brain to fucking think right, for three we're, minutes. We're using the 90s statement. If you, don't, right. if you don't like how people talked in the 90s, then turn the show off. We're not politically yeah. correct. <laughs> we're not politically correct, and we're not going to try to be something we're not for you because that's not what we do. Because you're some kind of a social justice person. Yeah, that's like, social justice people, fuck off. We, right. we have nothing for you. We know what's right and what's wrong, <laughs> and we'll always defend what's right and wrong, but you, you can't make shit up as you go. What's right and wrong has always been right and wrong. It's just depending on if you're on the right side or on the wrong side. That's just that's just common knowledge of basically the entire existence of any any generation of any year. Right. I mean, you know, uh, people knew when slavery happened it was wrong, but they did it anyway. They they were on the wrong side, and there were always people on the right side. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's historically accurate. I mean, whenever even a startup, whenever it was the norm, there were people like, no, this is not okay. You know. Uh, whether they were white people or whatever. I mean, there were white people that were not okay with slavery to begin with. Yep. You know, that's true statements. That's fact. I mean, there's an underground railroad for a reason. It's because there were people trying to help them get out. Yeah, it's like, but... well, this isn't okay. There wasn't always, like, this perception of, like, movie uh, genre where they're like, oh, yeah, slavery is cool. Everyone thinks slavery is cool. That's just normal. No. That's actually historically never been true. No. There's always, even back to the Roman and Egyptian days, like, that was never, like, 100% okay anywhere. Ever. But I think that's one of the things about this movie in particular is that there are a lot of, like, there's a lot of things going on here uh, that like reference slavery because even Morpheus tells Neo, "You you were born to be a slave." They were all slaves. You were born into a world that you'll you've you've never known. The entire your entire life, you thought that you were something, and you weren't. And it was because you were enslaved and put into a system that was designed to turn you into a battery. And he shows them that battery, and it's like this is this is what the hell you're meant to be. You are meant to be a battery. This is so, what they think you are. It yeah. was the energizer battery. Right. 
So there's some ad. There's some ads there. <laughs> there's actually ads all over this movie because they use Nokia phones everywhere. You know. Well, um, they wouldn't. You know, you can hate on them if you want to, but they wouldn't have been able to get the budget that they got without some type of sponsorship. Yeah. Because, I mean, even even the sunglasses that they wear were made by a company specifically for the movie. And then after, uh, then when Matrix Reloaded came out, they started to sell those. The glasses well, that don't have the uh, the things on the sides. Yeah, yeah, that was an assistant by the actual Wachowskis because that was the, um, that was a glasses company. I did not write down the name, so forgive me. Uh but they were actually in battle with Ray-Ban and Oakley and basically one company all, owns all those people. Right. Uh, but they were like an independent company that was trying to sell glasses uh, at a cheaper volume, which if you know anything, actually reference back to Adam Ruins Everything. Right. Where one optical company kind of owns everything. Yep, because they own Lens Crafters and Pearl Vision um, and everything. But this glasses company that they used in The Matrix... The Wachowskis wanted to use them because they weren't a part of that. They were an independent company. and uh, They weren't part of the man. Yeah, they actually had to go through lawsuits and everything, this glasses company, just to be able to sell their own brand. Because as soon as they started doing it and they wouldn't sell out to the Oakleys and all these people, which which uh, Ray-Ban and stuff, which Oakley was their own separate entity. And... Uh, this corporation basically bashed them and bashed them until they were almost bankrupt and then bought them. Right. Uh, so this reason your eyeglasses cost so much isn't because they're that expensive. It's because this one company owns They it. have a monopoly. They can, they, they can just say, hey, these glasses are you know $1,100, and they probably cost $25 to make. Right. So then, uh, yeah, so getting to the next point here, uh, and this is just, uh, because some people I think still don't understand how the fuck this stuff works. Uh, number eight, why does Neo bother to fly? If he has control over the matrix and, and he is a simulation, why doesn't he just teleport to various areas? Why be limited to flight? Why are the machines human-like? Where is the precision? Why emotions? The movie contradicts itself on this part. If Neo can leap into an agent and bust them open, why not do it again rather than fight them? Why doesn't he fight back them? Fight back them? Why, why doesn't he hack them? Sorry. Uh, make them his own. Why bother to fight with fists? Okay, so let's use this as an instance. How do you go to website to website? Uh, you, well, you type in what you're looking for, and then you go to the next website. Okay, so does that seem like teleportation? No, I mean, you have to, like, type in something, and then it has to go find it at that server and then load it. You have to go one spot to the other. Yeah. So basically what's happening there is he, he's able to get there quicker, but he can't skip a process. Right. He is still inside of a computer-generated uh, world, essentially. It's a, it's a giant software program. Right. So he's the most powerful person in there, but he can't skip the process. So teleportation for him isn't about matter like it would be for a human if like in star trek way you you're being beamed up or something like yeah, that it's when just, you beam yeah you it's teleport. matter it's matter being te teleported from one spot to the other right yeah that's not how the matrix worked because that's a computer program yeah 
you have to be uh, information has to be transferred from one spot to the other, which is not teleportation. Uh, it's kind of like loading on a hard drive. Yeah. A hard drive, if you go to, if you click on something to load it, it has to find that location and then load it. It has to travel to that location, find that information, and load it. Okay, so that's what Neo's doing basically in that scene. He, he's or in the later scenes, he flies a lot, but. He's able to manipulate the system, but he can't teleport, like I said, because in the Matrix, matter doesn't really exist. It Yeah. <laughs> it does still have certain ground rules, but the difference is, is that he can manipulate them in the way that regular people can't, because he is awoke. He, he is woke. <laughs> he is woken. He is woke. Delete! 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 Right. <laughs> he is super woke, and he knows... That he doesn't have limitations to a degree on what he can do. Also, the other thing, too, is at the end of the movie, uh, when Neo is on the phone, and he's basically communicating to the machines directly. And he says, I'm going to show them uh, what you don't want them to see, right? And he has right. like this little monologue that he does in the phone booth, and then he hangs the phone up and walks away, and then he jumps up in the air and flies. Nobody in that world has ever seen anybody fly before. They see Neo take off and fly, and they're like, how the fuck is he doing that? And that's because why in the second one, there's so many other people unplugged because of Neo. Right. Because basically what he's trying to do is he's like, you're trying to hold these people down. I'm going to show them that this world is bullshit. This is all fake. And it, there's a big reason why Zion gets more people because Neo is flying around and doing crazy shit that they've never seen before. And a lot of people are awakened just by the fact that they they start to rebel against the Matrix because they know that this shit isn't normal. He's showing them something that they've never seen before. They've never seen anybody fly before. The agents do a pretty good job of hiding what they can do so that regular people don't see it. Because otherwise, if they knew what the agents could do, it would break the illusion. Neo exactly. is intentionally trying to break the illusion to free more minds. And he did. Exactly. That's why he did that. He was building numbers in people. So if right. you didn't understand that when you first watched this, that's what he was doing. Right. Because now that he knows that he can just fly, basically, he was like, well, they've never seen flying before, so hopefully this will start getting some people to think that there's some... There's some different things going on here. It's a way to awaken them, you know. And if he was teleporting, it would have just been another glitch in the Matrix. Right. But the thing is, too, is like when they talk about, like, well, why doesn't he just dive into every agent and destroy them from the inside out? It's like the other agent... That's not agent... how the Force works. Right. <laughs> That's not how the Force works. <laughs> but, no, the reason that he dives into Smith is because he has a link with Smith at some level. You don't really realize that in this first movie... Because you just think like, oh, well, he just dove in Agent Smith and exploded him and the other two ran away, so Agent Smith is done. No, he's not. Agent Smith comes back in part two and part three. Well, Agent Smith is the program and Neo is the virus. Right. Because there's a virus-antivirus thing going on there where Neo is trying to destroy that system and he's trying to destroy Neo. Yeah, and Agent Smith's trying to fight against it. Right. So... Basically, by him joining, uh, by him like disappearing into Agent Smith's body and corrupting it, part of what Neo does imprints on him, and so he gets insight into kind of like because it's almost like two sides of the same coin, you know. But 
I, I remember, like, because we were talking about this earlier, and then I was like, I knew it came up in a comment, and I was like, he's not just going to dive into every agent, because eventually every agent becomes Smith. And the part two, which we'll get into part two in more in detail, but there are no more regular agents. He corrupts everything like a virus. Right. Every single agent that exists is basically a copy of Smith. And we'll explain that to you on the next episode. Right. So, but, you know, it's like, I think sometimes, I don't know if it's like people were already getting up out of their seat, like, okay, well, the movie's done because they're about to roll the credits, you know, and they just totally skip past the whole thing he told them, where he's like, I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. Because if you hear that, then you're like, oh, that makes sense why he's flying now, because he's trying to get people to go, what the fuck is that about? Because he's yeah. trying to break the illusion. And he's like, I'm the one, you guys need to be unplugged. Right. Um... So, I'm the one, baby. Uh, <laughs> so, number nine uh, is excessive violence. Ultimately, the reason why I can never muster more enthusiasm for it, it, for it is the scene where Neo chooses to rescue Morpheus and risk almost certain death. What does he do? He loads himself up with heavy artillery and with Trinity's assistance shoots up a lobby full of security guards without yeah. showing without showing the slightest hint of emotion. I understand that this is for the greater good, but that our uh, but that our hero, who so previously had been in shock of the discovery of the reality of this entire universe, could kill dozens of innocents without even batting an eyelash is absolutely confounding. I almost didn't care about the rest of the film after this scene. Vote Democrat. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Whoa, Steve went super political. No, I'm there's a, actually a very definitive reason as to why he's killing all these guys. Um, Do you know why it is, Steve? Well, because these guys are all the agents. I mean, they don't really exist actually at all, for one. And uh, what does Morpheus tell Neo when he's in the agent training program? The only ones that you can trust are us, because. You can, he's like, look around you. Because he even says, like, did you get distracted by the... He's like, he's like, were you paying attention to what I said or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? Because he was looking at that chick in the red dress like, damn, she's fine. She was very And sexy. then when he turns around, Agent Smith has a gun in his face. Right. Because he was like, they, he's like, agents can be anybody at any time. So, that so, means that regular random security guards can be agents. Especially whenever there's security in a building with the agents in them. Right. And that's why they can randomly become the agents and then whenever neo had them in a foreign position they um they ran because they they can't necessarily become everybody in those positions but they've already created a place where they can become anybody so you know you shoot an agent in the head in this agent building you know that's just another soldier that just died and yeah it's not actually into... them because they've already went and they've corrupted somebody else and taken their form. Yeah, these are mindless drones, basically. Right. These are just people that they've put in these buildings to protect them, but they're all not they're not conscious people. Right. They're they're machines. They're all machines. Right. So that that's why that they can be anywhere anybody and anywhere because they have so many machines amongst them. Everybody that you see in the Matrix are not people their machine consciousness like that they can just transfer to right but because they can basically just take their essence and put it into something else and become that person 
and just corrupt them. Because even you even see that when you have the one agent, there's the guy that's piloting the helicopter, mm-hmm. and then that agent takes him over and then becomes the agent. Exactly. And then when that guy dies, he goes back to being a helicopter pilot because they could just corrupt them. So when Neo and Trinity go into that into that lobby at the at the at the bottom of the building and they're going through like the metal detector and they get discovered and stuff, they have to kill all those people because agents can beat any of those people. They yeah, have to kill everybody agent, in there. Agents are probably all those people. Right. Cuz Morpheus basically tells them like, look, anybody that is not us that has not been freed has the possibility of being corrupted into being taken over by an agent. So that means so, that unless... Then you have to John Wick this shit. You have to kill him. Right. You have, you to, have kill, to kill them all. Kill them all. <laughs> you have to kill them all, like old school Metallica. <laughs> yes, the good Metallica. The good Metallica. They started being shit. <laughs> Let's get good Metallica back. Fuck off lizard people. <laughs> Give us our old Metallica back. We know you hit them on a planet some fucking where... Bring them Stop shits it! Back. Right? Stop being dicks. Uh, Take the Kardashians. But, uh... But yeah. Give Metallica back. <laughs> yeah, just take all of the Kardashians, the Jenners, all of them. Just take all of them on a spaceship. Every single one of them. Yeah. Give us Metallica back. Right. But, uh... So then we get into something a little bit heavier, right? Because... Nowadays... Whenever you have things like the like the Sandy Hook massacre, and then we have the Parkland shootings in Florida, this is an epidemic that we keep seeing, right? Like people going into a school and shooting places up, or like the the nightclub in Orlando when everybody got shot in there. There was the attacks in Paris when a bunch of people were shot. Uh, the crazy guy in Las Vegas that was shooting people at a country concert, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, very. You know, um, uncalled for violence. Right. Which is so, any violence, by the way. I'm not saying any violence was called for. Um, all violence is uncalled for. Right. But the problem is, is that, like in this, it says number 10. Even the Columbine killers were Matrix fans. So the reason I put this one last is because we had to talk about this when we talked about Marilyn Manson, right? And we were defending Marilyn because everybody thought, oh, well, you know, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, you know, they listened to Marilyn Manson. That's why they went crazy. In reality, they had a lot of different influences. Marilyn Manson was not one of them. If you want to know more about that part of it, listen to the Marilyn Manson episode that we did because yes. we, we talked about Marilyn for quite a while, like it was almost three hours or something. Yeah, he's not a terrorist. No, I mean, he Manson is just, he, I think he's a misunderstood genius. But the he thing is... is and, he, and if he terrorizes anything, it's the pussy. <laughs> it's like, I don't always terrorize things, but when I do, it's that pussy. No. <laughs> Our That's twig. like a most Our, interesting man in the world meme, you know? Or Twiggy Ramirez. Or Twiggy Ramirez. <laughs> Just remember, I mean, you're Marilyn's bitch. you Marilyn's bitch, Twiggy. <laughs> if Twiggy yeah. Ramirez ever listens to this, he'll be like, what the fuck, right? We're just kidding. We're Twiggy. just kidding, Twiggy. We, we love all you guys. John 5, all you guys that were in the band. And we, we especially love you, John 5. Right, yeah. John Five is actually cool. I met that dude in real life. He's pretty John awesome. met you. I didn't get to meet you. I mean, that's bullshit. But. Right. Uh. Yeah, I was. He was actually a pretty cool dude. If I was kind of starstruck, and I didn't even think to get an autograph, but yeah, you but know. that's okay. The memory will last forever. Right. And we love John Five. Thank you for you know 
your awesome being, music. Yeah, for being awesome and uh, just being a good person. But uh, but this is where it starts to get kind of heavy, right? Because the Matrix a lot of times is blamed for a lot of this uh, people. What do they call it? It's like it's like it's like a gun fetish or a violence fetish. Right. Where people are like super into like gun violence and everything because the Matrix looks gun violence look cool, right? Mm-hmm. So it says on here. Um, because uh, Warner Brothers had statements that they had to release, you know, denying any ties between real-world violence and the virtual violence of the Matrix movies. Uh, any attempt to link these crimes with a motion picture is disturbing and irresponsible, right? So, uh, it says on here, and this is actually uh, quoted from something in the Boston Globe. This is made by uh, Mark Schoen, and this was as of 2003, so this was really about the time that Matrix Reloaded came out. I think Reloaded had already come out by that point in 03. But it says, Yet criminals uh, themselves keep making the connection. When Lee Boyd Malvo, teen half uh, of the alleged DC sniper duo, goes on trial for murder in Chesapeake, Virginia, tomorrow his attorney confirms that he too will weave the Matrix into his insanity defense. Malvo told FBI agents that they should watch the Matrix if they wanted to understand him, and jailers found lines of dialogue from the film scribbled on paper in his cell. Even the Columbine killers were Matrix fans. So, uh, then you get a little bit further down into this, right? And it says, Neo finds himself in an alternate reality, aware that he was once unconscious in a computer-generated virtual reality, and killers are chasing him. He must resort to fancy footwork and plenty of violence. <laughs> are you, go ahead, go are you okay? Go uh, plenty of violence himself in order to save the world. Uh, all that he once believed has proved false, and he's uh, des- designated the savior and learns his secret superpowers. What Neo does serves a higher purpose, which gives his violence noble flavor. But that's a movie, or is it? Apparently, some murder defendants have come to believe that they were in the Matrix and that killing others was therefore justified. Lee Boyd Malvo, who devoted, or was devoted to the movie, in jail he made many jottings, uh, including a plea that people should free themselves from the Matrix. He told the FBI to watch the film. In San Francisco, Vadim Messiges, uh, aged 27 at the time, killed and dismembered his landlady in his defense he said that he'd been sucked into the Matrix. In Ohio, Tonda Lynn Ansley also attacked her landlady on this premise, but was certain that she had not really done so. It was only a dream. She had targeted three others as well to free herself from the, their mind control. In Virginia, 19-year-old Joe Cook, who claimed he did not realize what he was doing when he dressed like Neo, grabbed his 12-gauge shotgun, purchased because it resembled the one in the movie, and shot both of his adoptive parents to death. And that was from uh, the Crime Library, uh, and that was written by Catherine uh, Ramsland. You know, um, there's been people that blame dogs talking to them. God. God. Uh, James Woods. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think that's probably ever happened, but it could happen. <laughs> Somebody probably out there is like, you know what, James Woods talks to me, and I, I think I need to murder people. But a lot of things contribute to whatever, maybe game violence or movie violence or whatever. Right. Um, that's not an excuse for killing people. I mean, I'm sorry. 
I don't know what side of the spectrum a lot of people stand on about video game violence or movie violence, but there's no way that any of that, any of it, actually contributes to real-world violence because that's something totally different that you have to... That's separating fiction from reality. And a lot of people don't know how to do that, man, because... And if they don't, they need help. And they're not in around the right people for help, or in the right people, uh, you know, in the the place for help. And that's tragic sometimes, but it's not creative. It's not creativity's fault, because like comic books, like you know, a lot of times they get violent. It's not their fault. That's creativity, and a lot of it's really in-depth and detailed. Like the Punisher. The Punisher kills thousands of people. <laughs> the Punisher kills. I mean, he but kills so he, many people, it's but crazy. But does he tell you to kill? So if you kill and be like, well, the Punisher told me to do it. Frank Castle told me to go out and murder people. You're full of fucking shit. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't care who you are or what you do. You're full of shit. Like, you know, the most realistic Punisher stuff you could ever probably see is the Punisher TV show. And it's, you know, PTSD. And anybody that has that, I, you know, I know it's hard and it's rough. And, yeah. you know, Especially thank you for serving our country. And thank you for being a great hero. And But if you want to blame a TV show for, for your crimes, then uh, no, that's not how this works. No. I mean, that's not how anything works. You know, I, I, I think you need more help before you're let out into the real world. And, you know, the government's kind of lazy and they're kind of, you know, I don't know. They act like they don't have the funds or something to, to help you people. Like the veterans or people that's actually fought in wars, which is total bullshit. I support you guys 100%. You need yeah. more help and more, you know... Um, because nobody pays attention to these veterans until they snap, right? You know, everybody wants to support veterans until they get back from war. And then they always want to be like, they want to condemn them. It's like, well, I mean, you knew what you were, you knew what you signed up for. You knew you were going to see some crazy shit. You knew what you were going to do. You, sh- you should handle that shit yourself. And it's like, no, that's not how war works. No. It's very, it takes a toll. I mean, a lot of people can't even stand to see one dead body much less multiple dead bodies, or even their friends getting killed, are seeing one of their friends just come back dead. You you don't... I mean, a lot of people don't know how that feels. I mean, you, you, you don't know what it's like, and, you know, people condemn people like that. And, the, you know, something like The Matrix, like what we're talking about here is, is something that's giving you a false reality. And I think that's something that's actually real in most America's... Uh, Americans today is false reality. Right. Fake news. It's fake news. Not fake news. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's fake news. I'm saying false reality. Like, it's 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 too comfortable. It seems too it's good. It's not exactly what it seems to be. Yeah. In a lot of things, you, you might get, like, very fabricated and watered down. Like, you're like, oh, you know, child gets eaten by alligator. You're like, oh, that sucks. And then you scroll up on your Facebook page. That's That's not very human. Right. 
I mean, because <laughs> there's tragedies that happen all the time, and you have people that get murdered for no reason. Like, when you have, like, these instances, like, it shows in this, where it's talking about, you know, people, like, dismembering their landlady and being like, well, you know, I, she was in the Matrix, and none of this shit's real, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, you going to jail is very real. The problem that I think people have sometimes is that they want to use, they want to use entertainment as a scapegoat because it's easy. What's the easier thing to do? Say to yourself and look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm really a sadistic fucking monster. Or the easier way to go is, no, I, you know, I, I know that none of these people are real, so it's easy for me to kill them because I'm stuck in something that isn't real. Or it's a dream or whatever, and I'm just stuck in a dream. Yeah, I'm not I'm killing real people. I'm only in the Matrix. I'm not killing anybody real. Yes, you are. Anytime you harm anything, it's real. Villains in movies typically do things because they think that they're right you know like yeah. that's how that's how villains are created it's people that do they do something that is morally wrong because they feel that it's right yeah. when we talk about things like the nazis and hitler for example one of the things that that spurned hitler on was that he thought that he was doing the right thing because he was told by joseph goebbels that jews ruined his country and so he felt it was his patriotic duty to bring Germany back to its height and to its glory, right? We're going to, the Third Reich will last a thousand years because we're going to destroy the Jews. We're going to destroy all the impure people that are Aryans and stuff like that. Because Joseph Goebbels got into his mind and poisoned his mind and told him that the Jews were the reason that they lost World War I. That's the reason your country is in shambles. And so the power of suggestion can be very strong. Some people can resist it. Other people can't. And even somebody like Hitler, who was a cult of personality, right? He became the Chancellor of Germany because people loved him. They loved what he was talking about. The reality of what Hitler was trying to do was all given to him by Joseph Goebbels. Goebbels was the architect of that entire thing. So when you have people that look at something like The Matrix, which is pretty violent. There's a lot of guns in this movie. There's a lot of like killing in this movie. But the thing is, is that they're inside of a computer simulation, so it's you know you can kind of draw the relations that it's it's similar to a video game. And there's no game. shooting people in a theater, or no Columbine shooting at a high school. There's none of that that's happening in this movie. No, I mean you don't see somebody just because people don't put that kind of stuff in movies, right? I so mean, there's people shooting back at Neo. Exactly, but the thing is, is that. When you look at something like the... Because remember, like, back in the 90s, they always wanted to talk about the video game Doom, right? What was the thing they always said about Doom? Oh, it's super violent. The kids who shot up Columbine, they were big into Doom and Quake, and they played these games all the time. What are you killing in Doom? Like, fucking monsters. They're stuff. demons, right? Yeah, demons. They're demons that fell out of a portal to hell because people were trying to create, I think, a wormhole... And they were trying to figure out how to do like interplanetary travel. And they opened up a portal. And instead of going to a different planet or a different galaxy, demons fell out of fucking hell onto Mars. And you're the only one left. You're the only marine left. And you have to shoot your way out. And you're the rock. Right. <laughs> no, that was in the movie. But the, the thing is, people were up in arms about that game because they're like, oh my god, look at all the violence. Look at the blood, the gore. You are literally fucking killing demons in that game. 
What's bad about killing demons? Don't we want to kill those motherfuckers? Kill demons. Kill, kill demons. demons. Kill demons. You know what would be awesome is that they, they made a doom and it's like, okay, you can be The Rock. Or you can be like Dolph Lundgren. Or you can be like Stallone. Or you Dolph Lundgren be, would be awesome for a doom movie. It would be. Imagine would him be as so the Marine. The, the Let's lone get Marine. Dolph Lundgren in doom. Yeah, let's make a Doom remake. You motherfuckers want some? Yeah. Oh! oh, it'd be so good. Just, just imagine Dolphins. him just ripping a demon's head off with his bare hands. <laughs> it was like, oh! But that's the thing. We're talking about somebody like like eviscerating a demon. A thing that doesn't fucking exist. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it just does not exist. It's like, oh. And then if you get somebody that's like... Well, I felt like I could shoot these people because they were demons. And it's like, well, you're insane. Right. It's not anything's fault but your own. That doesn't give you an excuse. People always want to use uh, things in the media, things like The Matrix, for example. Because if you look at the timeline of this, The Matrix came out at the end of March, right? It was like April 30th, 1999. I remember this because I looked Fools. it up. <laughs> no, 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 not quite. So the movie was released in like March 30th, 1999. And then the Columbine massacre happened on April 20th, 1999. So less than a month afterwards. So you're, you're telling me the Columbine kids were like, we just watched this movie like a month ago. We have to like shoot up our high school. Right. But no. that's the thing. People said that, like, oh, well, they were super big into the Matrix. That's why they wore trench coats, remember? Because what was the name of their little gang? The Trench Coat Mafia. You know who else was big into the Matrix? Everyone. Right. Every single person on the planet was into the Matrix at this point. We both watched this movie when it came out in 99. Yeah. And my fuck, I thought my head was going to explode because I'm like, I've never seen a movie like this. This was such a unique movie. But I can tell you. With 100% confidence that these kids were not inspired by the Matrix to kill people at their high school. They were inspired by their own evil. Their own sick and sadistic intentions. Because when you watched this movie back in 99, did you want to... Because we were in high school at that time. Yeah. We were in high school when Columbine happened. When you watched this movie, did you go to school and be like, You know what, John? I think I want to shoot everybody in the fucking face because Neo did it. No. I, no. I was not. I was very inspired. I thought it was very heroic what he was doing in the movie. So something that was beyond what you've seen in the, you know, in in any film. And it if was, anyone supports something where they're like, well, the Columbine kids were inspired by a movie to kill people. That's why they're not completely at fault. It was this movie. Then you're a piece of shit. Right, and, and I I will say that in movies are music because no no form of entertainment can convince me to kill someone. Right, no form of entertainment can convince anyone to kill anybody. Remember how many people like thought that Mortal Kombat was gonna like destroy the youth of America because of how violent that game was. You played Mortal Kombat. You played Mortal Kombat in the arcade, right? When you were yes, a kid. Yes, of course. I, I did, did too, right? So we we played Street Fighter. We played all that shit. We played. I think I played Tekken in one arcade, back when our when Tekken was. Pac Man uh, ate Ghost. 
Pac-Man fucking ate people. <laughs> he fucking ate them shits up. <laughs> Pac-Man was a cannibal. No, fucking Jeffrey Dahmer didn't blame Pac-Man for him eating people. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, literally, Mario does drugs. Mario eats mushrooms. He does shrooms. He does shrooms. I've never heard Hunter... <laughs> You can't even finish that sentence. Hunter S. Thompson's like, you know why I got fucked up? Because Super Mario was on shrooms, man. He was on shrooms, and that's why I did it. Like, did anybody go like, you know the reason why I'm really big into cocaine? Why? Because of, you know... Kirby. Fucking, yeah, fucking Kirby, Kirby man. used to snort up everything. Yeah. <laughs> you mean the little pink fluff ball that can, like, eat monsters and gain their powers? Yes. That was that, cocaine. That was cocaine. He wasn't. He wasn't eating monsters. He was snorting cocaine. Like we we are obsessed with trying to find something in the media that we can use as a way to blame things for the violence that we do. It's the same thing that Marilyn Manson talked about when we did the Manson episode in 1999 after the Columbine massacre. He had to go and do an op-ed. And I, I talked about this in the Manson episode, so I'm just going to quickly recap it now. He basically said that throughout human history, he finds it fascinating that people don't ask what kind of movies or television or video games that Cain watched or whatever consumed before he smashed Abel upside the head and murdered him. Yeah. Right? Because he's like, even in the Bible, you have stories about people doing heinous crazy shit to people like people just you know basically sacrificing their own daughters and shit like that do you think did, what did movies you, did did kane watch before do you think able? kane watched like the future of dc movies and just like bashed april man <laughs> like was that what happened justice league is so shit i'm gonna murder everybody so why'd you make happens. a whole movie that superman just shows up the end and kicks his ass this is bullshit <laughs> Justice League shouldn't even exist. <laughs> I still haven't even watched Justice League because I literally cannot bring myself to watch it. I still haven't watched Wonder Woman. And it's not anything against Wonder Woman. You should watch Wonder Woman. Though. But anyway, we digress. But but maybe not Justice League. Yeah. Because it's basically, Stephen Wool shows up, beats up all the Justice League people, and then they bring back Superman, and he comes back and just kicks his ass like he's just not even anything. He just like bitch slaps him like... Psh. <laughs> And it's like, oh, well, that's your villain for the Justice League? Yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, we have had uh, crazy things in media throughout history, right? And I think the thing with The Matrix is that people tried to use it because it was the pop culture phenomenon of 1999, right? When that hit, you had everybody was into The Matrix. Like, at the MTV Movie Awards... They were doing parodies of it. Everybody mm -hmm. was like big into the Matrix. And because it was the hot thing at the time, much in the same way that Marilyn Manson was, guess what gets blamed for Columbine? Oh, all this violent music. All these violent movies. At some point, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and just say, you know what? The reason that society is fucked up is because we've allowed it to be fucked up. You know, but if you look at what the Matrix is, the Matrix is not a blueprint on how to walk into a place and murder a bunch of people. That's not what it's about. It's about people getting freedom from slavery. It's about breaking the bonds of whatever you think your reality is. Whatever limitations you think you have, you might not have. You, there might be a way to get past those limitations. 
It's actually pretty inspirational. This movie basically changed the way that a lot of movies are done now. Because when you factor in that it has that philosophical element and it's got this uh, it's got this heart and this soul to it that you don't see in action movies all the time. People complain on these comments about like, oh, they do something philosophical for a couple of minutes, then they go and do a kung fu scene, and it's just nothing but action. It's like there's not really that much kung fu in this movie. There's a lot of, of world building and a lot of philosophy. And well, if you, if you want pure 99 philosophy, you got to go to Toy Story 2. <laughs> yeah, right. Steve would be the expert in Toy Story 2. I haven't really watched it much. No, my son. My son. His son has watched it like 40 billion times. And he's almost three now. Right. So, yeah. Uh, But I just think, you know, maybe to, to wrap this up is that people, whenever you have something that is big as the Matrix, not only are you going to have a lot of people that treat it like it's an inspiration and it's a great film and... People look at it now. You have some people that get into filmmaking because they saw Matrix when they were a kid and they're like, I want to do that. In the same way, like J.J. Abrams has always said that the reason he got into filmmaking was because he watched the first Star Wars. And it like blew his mind. He was like, I need to do this. You know? Yes, but I need to make Star Trek even better. Right. (laughs) But, uh, But that's the thing. It's like, you know, for a lot of people, the Matrix was super inspiring because this is the thing that got them into movies. They've spawned an entire generation of people that look at this movie and go, you know what? You can have an action movie that has a soul. It has a heart. It has a philosophical undertone. And there's tons of philosophy. We haven't even scratched the surface on that. When we get to two and three over these next few weeks, yeah, we're going to we're gonna to go balls into... deep in some philosophy. Yes. Balls deep. So I think that when it comes to The Matrix, this... This movie is a milestone, and for the people that want to pick it apart and say, like, oh, well, it incites too much violence, and it has all, they want to nitpick all this stuff, I think they're missing the true picture, that this this movie changed a lot of shit in, in the way that Hollywood does movies from now on. Because- yes, you are 100% correct, and we will continue this discussion on the next episode. Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded. We'll be back. And this has been Beyond the Hate. Peace.